I got really energetic and was like, we're gonna run four layouts on day one, and we're gonna run it reverse on day two. The same four layouts, oh, but like reverse on. <laughs> he started his tripometer before the weekend of driving, and he said, I don't know what this calculates to with wheel speed and everything. He's like, I did 60 miles of drifting across these two days. It had to be more than 100 laps. And getting a hotel separately and going to the restaurant after the event. It feels like you're pitching me like a uh, a weekend summer camp trip or yeah, something. It's, like it's a drift camp. <laughs> I love grassroots, but when you want someone to give you a free $1,000 product, you have to put in a little work. Kids yeah. like grow up and are like, I want to be an influencer. It's like, well, you need to do something that's influential. When I started the company, it wasn't Scott who makes steering wheels. I didn't want people to know me. Yeah. Like I wanted it to be professional and I wanted people to understand it was a brand with a logo. I kept a strap in the car because I was just like, somebody's probably gonna have to tow me. Like I've done more drifting in the last three years than the 15 years before that collectively. I will say this, I get really tired of painting white wheels. You know, I grew up with hot rods, so I like all the like super hot boy flashy Bash colors. Flake. Yeah, the yeah. flake wheels, the um, fades. I like doing like two color fades. Gotta stay fresh like a brand new whip. Welcome back to the number one drift podcast on YouTube. I am Dawson and this is Scott with Grip Royal. Oh yeah. Uh, well, of course, a few announcements. If you are not subscribed, go ahead and do that now. So look below the video. If that button is still red, go ahead and click it and hit that bell notification while you're at it. So you are updated with every single upload. Uh, and with the Bridge Moto giveaway that will be in next week's episode, uh, I will announce all the winners then. I gotta get everything together because again, one man show. Uh, but of course, if you do want to grab some merch, that is one of the best ways to show support and keep up with even bigger and better podcasts. Uh, but that's pretty much it for the announcements. So I will let you introduce yourself. Uh, yeah. So I'm Scott. I'm the owner of Grip Royal. Make custom steering wheels and shift knobs more specifically for the drifting community but mostly they import any aftermarket car just love modern cars you know so oh yeah been, just been my life just in your blood too many years now <laughs> well that's good we need that uh well i i did want to say the first time i ever actually met you i don't even you probably don't even remember it honestly but was at mir um, I think it was the last MIR event I did. You were working at the Grip Royal tent. Me and my girl came up, bought a shirt, one of the tie-dye shirts that y'all had, the okay, blue, red, okay. white, and blue tie-dye yeah, ones. Yeah. Uh, and that was the first time I actually got to have a conversation with you a little bit. Okay. It wasn't very long. Was that at Stupid Cold or? Stupid Cold, yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm surprised that you even caught me because I was running grid, coordinating all the yeah. drifting and stuff. Man, it's crazy running those events, especially with how hard the weather is. I mean, the last oh, year, yeah, the last year we did it, what, it's 2023 now. So it's January 2022 is the last one we did. Mm -hmm. We had rain, snow, ice, and then sun <laughs> to finish it off. So it was like. It's so crazy. Yeah, yeah. it's like all the boxes of weather just yeah. hit it all. So The first one I ever went to, which was my first event, I've told the story before, but uh, while we were loading up, dude, it started sleeting and like straight blizzard dude it was crazy yeah. and i could barely get my car on the trailer it was horrible oh yeah the cars on the ramps will be slipping and yeah sliding be squirreling and, and yeah <laughs> yeah they don't call it stupid cold for nothing oh yeah. yeah that's for sure but unfortunately uh as we discussed earlier is 
MIR, the only track that we had in Memphis, has been shut down now. Um, mm-hmm. It's not even actually shut down. They went to sell it. The buyer backed out, and they had already sold off all the equipment. So it's literally just sitting there rotting away. So yeah. unfortunately, we didn't get to do that event with Slammed Enough to start off 2023, which is kind of how we always kick off each year with the Stupid Cold event, which mm-hmm. last few years had drifting, which is the only big event for drifting that was in Memphis. So now that's, yeah. that's kind of dead right now. So now, I have heard, I have a buddy that's that lives in Memphis that's very local to that track and grew up with it and stuff. Um, I have heard that it's more or less the owners of the track being a little bit greedy right now is what the circumstance is, I guess. Um, yeah. Because they... It was something to do with pricing. I think the the first dude backed out at whatever price they had, and then they realized that with the land they have, it could be bought out by like Amazon or something like that for an extreme price, which I totally understand. Yes. If yeah. you want to hold out for that, like I'm not here to blame you on that. Yeah. Whatsoever. If you can make a lot more money with. <laughs> Why business, wouldn't you? Yeah. Exactly. But uh, it was kind of that situation. So for my, and I'm not super involved with it. Yeah. It's since, since we've been using that track, it's been like corporate companies that own it. uh, Lots of management changes. It's just really hard to keep any consistency there. Um, But yeah, the last year that we did stupid cold, the potential new owner, uh, I I think the guy's name was Jeff. He was out there running around, making sure the event ran smoothly Mm. the most support I've ever seen from somebody managing that track. And I think he was doing the paperwork to actually purchase the track. You know, it was like, it's all, all happening. And then the owners realized they could sell it for like three times the value to a warehouse company or something. That guy got snaked. Yeah. He's like, all right, to hell with this. I've invested all this time and resources resources into this and you guys just swiped it out from under me. So he, uh, I guess, was from the East Coast somewhere and went went back to whatever track he was managing previously. From my understanding, could could be completely wrong. Yeah. And um, and then the warehouse deal fell through as the economy started dropping. Yeah. The warehouse company pulled out as well. So, and again, they sold all the equipment. Yeah. It's yeah. just so yeah. it's just downhill at this point. That's exactly. All it's going. So it's just rotting. It'll but, just sit there until Amazon buys it or pretty much someone similar. Yeah, and I think now they they have it in their mind that it's worth this high dollar. Mm-hmm. It's hard to let go of. Yeah, and it's at this higher. They were they were going to sell it to someone who really was going to take care of it, and mm-hmm. now they've got this triple or quadruple digit in their mind uh, from that initial sell point, and you know no one's going to buy it. Yeah, nobody that yeah. wants to turn it into a racetrack either. It's it's pretty. Pretty, uh, it doesn't help that nothing is around that track either, really. That's it's, it's like down the street from the ghetto, like it's not, yeah, in the best one, location. There's one gas station, and yeah. it's not not a good one, so <laughs> um, but yeah, that's very true. You know, everybody in Memphis needs somewhere, so like as far as drifting goes, which is you know clearly our motorsport yeah, interest, yeah. uh, there's nothing. There's nothing there, man. So yeah, it really stinks sucks. to drift anywhere. Now we have a three and a half hour drive. Pick a direction, three and a half hour drive. Uh, so from Memphis, you got Nashville, mm-hmm. uh, Birmingham, Mid Pond, uh, St. Louis. It's three and a half, really like four and a half. That does suck. Um, or the Drift Mansion, Little Talladega. So it's about the same distance. And when you look at all the options, 
that place is sick. So. Well, speaking of, yeah, you just came off of hosting an event there. Tell me a little yes. bit about that. Um, so it's sick. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. I I messaged you. I messaged him after the fact. I didn't get to go, but I I told him I was like, dude, props to you. The media coming out of this event is fucking insane. If you guys just give a rundown on what the Drift Mansion is first. Um. So yeah. So the Drift Mansion is. It's the secondary title, really, to mm-hmm. Little Talladega. So the property itself is a bed and breakfast in Pomona, Missouri. And um, the couple that own it, John and Allison, they live there. They host people that rent it. Um, but the the house is huge, obviously the mansion. Yeah. Um, John has a background in drifting and is a driver himself. He loves the sport. So even though this this place has the equipment and mm-hmm. uh you know with the resources or amenities to do all kinds of activities his passion is drifting and he wanted to help the sport grow in his region or his you know wherever his area yeah um so it's a bed and breakfast it sleeps like 16 or 20 people in it there's a pool there's a basketball tennis court there's a playground for your kids yeah. if you have kids you know go out there with the family there's all kinds of trails out on the property in the woods. Uh, they've got dirt bikes, four wheelers, side by sides. They've got a slew of uh, XL crazy carts that are all oh modded God. by Taxi Garage. So <laughs> yeah. they're, they're also like super fast. The baller ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're they're sick, man. And to be fair, oh, hold on, I'll get off on the crazy carts. But <laughs> yeah, so uh, there's a there's an arcade. Um, the shop is huge, but it's basically you go out there. When we've gone out, it's it's like our crew and our our wives, our kids, yeah, and then some other drivers and their crew and wives and kids. And typically, what I've seen from my experience is all the guys, just like anywhere else, gravitate to the garage because we're all, I mean, we're car nerds, right? So like, <laughs> they're bound to. I mean, obviously, yeah. yeah. So we end up in the awesome. garage. Um, our wives can bounce back and forth. They can hang out at the pool, let the kids play. Uh, put the kids on like they got electric go karts. They've got gas yeah. go karts. We get every we've we had a race the first year with uh, all our wives and girlfriends. Um, on they all raced on the go karts. So we like lined them up. We're like That's y'all awesome. are getting out here, get out here and rip it. So. Um, but yeah, so if they've got a pond that's stocked with fish, you can go out there Damn. and fish. There's a baseball field. It's not like I have heard that. Yeah, yeah. it's not like super kept up, but I have. John and Allison have mentioned like we've had families out here like can we use the baseball field sure go for it I'd be out there yeah they've got a yeah you said you're into baseball so uh for me it's a hard pass I'm gonna be on the crazy carts but um but you know there's just something for everyone out there and it's uh you know if you if you pull it up you could look at the price point and be like oh it's it's pretty expensive but it's not a vacation place that you rent by yourself Mm -hmm. it's it's definitely like a family yeah family gathering a uh, lot of, i think they do a lot of like bachelor parties out there oh really um you could do like a business trip if everybody's kind of yeah. into car stuff but again you don't even have to be into car stuff you use the place um there's so many amenities that come along with exactly it. exactly anyone can enjoy it um dude they've got a they've got a golfing like again it's not like the highest of priorities but they have a golfing like little tee off spot and they've got a whole on the other side of the uh, pond. So you, you go out there and hit golf balls and 
Damn, yeah. I didn't know that. That's yeah, cool. man. <laughs> Which I hate golf. I personally have never been good at it because, again, baseball comes into play. I can't yeah. get rid of my baseball swing so, to get to the – I don't know. It, there's some, It's different going low either. to driving sh- – I don't know. It's it's really weird. My balls would always, like, curve oh, yeah. off. Oh, and, yeah, dude. Mine, mine, yeah, it's horrible. I just have to have, like, a whole bucket of golf balls if I'm playing anywhere. But, hey – it's that's it i need about 30 mulligans yeah (laughs) Yeah, i'm not good so i go into it with a good attitude and i come out of it yeah normally drunker with a better attitude yeah but that's pretty much all it is tell me a little bit more about the the event like what what all went into that and uh how how did it turn out man it turned out really really well so so basically um john got the place he's had it for for about two and a half years now, I think. Mm-hmm. And it, it already had a pre-existing track around the mansion. Mm-hmm. Um, and, to, and to hit back on that, Drift Mansion is like the secondary name because not everybody that's there yeah. is into drifting and needs to, it doesn't need to be titled Drifting. Drift Mansion. Yeah, yeah. Drifting Mansion, Drifting Palace. because Drifting's not big enough to hold that title anyways. Exactly. Well, I don't know. Hopefully it will get there. I think this I place think is, it will eventually. I think yeah. that, that place alone will help that. But, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So... I know initially he wanted to uh he wanted to build a racetrack or start a racetrack or even like a large skid pad area mm-hmm. somewhere in Missouri just so that there was an opportunity for people to kind of not be on the streets, right? Have a yeah. have, a, have, somewhere, uh, have somewhere to go. Um but yeah, so with the event, so he he at the end no, I'm sorry. February of 2023, he started reconstruction on the track and okay. he basically expanded resurfaced all the pre-existing asphalt and mm-hmm. then added a few turns and variations oh excuse me added a few variations or variables within that track um so it's all fresh asphalt okay. it's bigger than it was before it's uh it's got way more options for like course layouts yeah, yeah, yeah. um so he did all that with intentions of being like, all right, I'm investing into the track so that we can do more track oriented stuff and drifting stuff out here, hmm. not just, you know, the occasional bachelor party or, or yeah, family yeah. gathering, which is great because people are still seeing, they need that. Mm-hmm. They have to book this place all the time because it's such a big ordeal, you yeah. know, which um, just stays booked like a year out doesn't it it's it's pretty booked right now yes so which again you know they've only been you know what they say with any business plan expect to lose for like the first three yeah of course and they're two and a half in major expansions pretty much everything because i we were the first tenants or first guests to rent it when they got possession of it so yeah he and i um he and i just had a relationship already from yeah, yeah. old Japanese car parts. He's That's basically awesome. come through and was like, hey man, what kind of junk you got for sale? <laughs> Take through all my old SR and S chassis stuff yeah. and uh and and resell it on his online store that he had. Um but so yeah, so I've seen everything grow, like from the lighting out there, the interior to the house, the all the amenities have improved and elevated every time I go out there. It's just mm-hmm. they're as with any other startup, it's like constantly pouring back into the business you know all their time all their efforts all yeah, their money you have to um so yeah so they invested into expanding the track and we're like all right well now we mm-hmm. got this racetrack that's not really going to help 
with the normal bookings, right? Of course. Having yeah. all this asphalt doesn't make it better for someone who wants to like play paintball with their family, mm -hmm. uh, which you can also do that out there. <laughs> um, what? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but yeah, so he and I, we did a shakedown event in December of 2022 to test the theories. He and I, through 2022, were discussing it. With my background, uh, hosting events with Stupacold, mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, with Grip Roll, but even before that, the Memphis Drift Organization Traction Optional. So all through the, my history of drifting, like I've been involved with event organization and marketing, yeah, um, doing the, like flyer designs and stuff like that. So he and I were discussing that before he made this major investment and uh, and tore up his racetrack to make it new. Um, and I'm like, look, man, we, you know, here's some things that I'm seeing. Here's some things that you're seeing because he's yeah. a visionary. Yeah. Clearly, you don't have a place. You like have that to be any, with that, right? Um, so yeah, so he he and I are going back and forth, and I'm kind of like, oh, I don't, you know, maybe maybe we should do like a test run just so you can see what I'm saying. Um, like, for example, one of the biggest things was like, where do we pit the cars? There was nowhere yeah. to like park trucks and trailers. And of course, it's like you, you'd like to say in a perfect world, it's going to be a bright and sunny day. But chances are you might have a yeah. storm come through. So we did this test run in December 2022. I had 18 cars out there. Okay. It was a one day event on the old layout. Um, it rained right away to start the day. It poured its ass off. <laughs> and then all day long, which is better than it pouring its, you know, pouring buckets yeah, yeah. all day. All day long, it was just like a uh like a mist. It was so slimy and just just Yeah, really slick just, rain. Yeah, slick. It was very slick on on the surface. But it did for a test, it gave us the perfect example of a worst case scenario weekend. Because you can't That's have awesome. yeah, yeah, you know, you can't you can't get all these drivers registered, get them all loaded up, come all the way here. Some of these drivers are driving, you know, almost 10 hours to come here and then be like, oh, it's wet. You guys pack your stuff up and go home. Like, no, yeah. we gotta go. We gotta run. So we did this one day event as a test. It was very eye-opening. Lots of things that we saw that needed to be revised, did. Mm -hmm. Um, and we just made a list of stuff. So that was December. He starts construction in February. It takes. So you just like immediately jumped on all of those things yeah. that y'all talked about. Well, which, yeah, we were like, we we're doing the test because he wanted to do it already. Yeah, okay. But I was like, I was like, man, I don't want you to like go into this and, and end up, you know, upside down or anything. Yeah. Like, we got to go about it right. So, and again, for me, my, you know, it's great for Grip Royal to be involved. And I have the of event course, coordination. Yeah background as far as drift events go but also i just want this place to succeed yeah I don't it's want just it to so fail. unique that like i i think every well i won't speak for every drifter but for the most part in the drift community everyone wants to see that place grow because they hope to it's one of those places that they hope one day they get to visit yeah it's, it's a, a nostalgia place yeah bucket list track bucket list vacation spot um for any automotive enthusiast but especially yeah. a, a drifter or a track driver or anything yeah. like that but uh but yeah so february he starts construction tears down the track um fresh asphalt gets down got to wait on it to cure and everything so mm -hmm. all this time period where we got seven months basically till we knew we had scheduled the event to run in july so we have a seven month window to plan everything 
coordinate it, market it. And, and I want it to be right, you know, because yeah. it's such a big operation. And this is this event that we just did was the first of many. It wasn't just going to be a one one and done kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. So would you um, say seven months was a good enough time frame or was that kind of pushing it? Um, It was it was good. Yeah. Okay. It That's was good, good because for him, he had to worry about like the facility. Mm -hmm. And for me, I had to worry about, like I said, marketing registration yeah. inviting drivers and kind of coordinating that system because i'm not trying to just do it once i was building the foundation to repeat that over gotcha, time so gotcha. it's like it's a lot of work but it was again i was doing a lot of work on the front because i was like i don't want to do this every time yeah so let's yeah. make the template that we can reuse every time and and improve on that we'll, we'll fine-tune it yeah and going into the first one we know we're going to learn some stuff we're going to have some some issues have to make revisions which we did but it was the seven months of planning is well worth it. Yeah. We got there. We had to tweak some things, but like for the most part, it was a solid, solid event. And, yeah. And those those minor revisions are were expected, easily noted, and that list was far smaller than the amount of work that went into it developing it. That's on the good. Front end. So yeah. What what were some of the headaches that happened during the event? Um, one of them was I I when it's a, a course like that with variable options uh -huh. so we have to take a lot into account so it's like if you go out there with three or four cars with your buddies and rent the place you can run whatever layout you want like you can get really creative yeah. but we've got to have a, a grid of 20 cars at a time okay. somewhere and then we've got to make sure the course doesn't like interfere with each other like if somebody were to break a tie rod they're not going to like hit an oncoming car on the other side of the track yeah, yeah. that kind of stuff so we had a few layouts i got i got really energetic and was like let's do four different layouts we're going to run four layouts on day one. We're going to run it reverse on day two. The same four layouts, oh, but like reverse them. <laughs> and uh, so I made this like really hefty schedule. And for me, and again, because me as a driver, I'm like, I want to do different stuff. I don't want to go out yeah. and drive like yeah. just the same layout. Well, we had different power level cars and guys from all over the country came to this event. It was sick. Um, but that was one of the problems I had was right away. It was like, all right, one of the corners is pretty dangerous mm -hmm. and not even just dangerous, but it was like, if people go off, then it takes a lot of time from the hot track, like track time yeah. gets robbed yeah. because it takes so long to recover a car. So right away I got a little over ambitious with the layouts and we had to basically yank back to the layouts and oh, it, that sucks. it, it but sucks it's... but at the same time it was it was something that we kind of expected mm -hmm. and so midday when it already started to show its colors we were like nope gotta pull the plug on this yeah and <laughs> and then that made the that was two hours into the first day oh okay so it wasn't so the rest yeah. of the weekend we got tons of seat time man yeah, I had, I had a guy out there, a driver from Arkansas that had a stock 350Z. He's a OG driver. He's been around forever. Um, but he was like, just got this super simple seat time car. Yeah. He said he started his tripometer before the weekend of driving. And he said, he's like, I don't know what this calculates to with wheel speed and everything. He's like, I did 60 miles of drifting across these two days. So I was pretty oh, proud shit. about that. I was like, to be fair, I don't really know how many laps that is. Yeah, but, I don't know either. But yeah, I sent <laughs> I sent this guy from Grid. Like, dude, he had to have done a hundred. I don't want to sound. I don't want to 
get crazy. It had to be more than a hundred laps. Like That's it was awesome. Tons of seat time. Um, yeah, it track flowed really well. Mm-hmm. My guys that were on my, uh, like track crew, we got out there and, uh, finished up some final stuff with the facility and just the aesthetically that place looked banging. Like yeah. it was, yeah. you know, we, I'll, I'll put some pictures up on the screen so you guys can see what it, what it looks like now versus like what it was. Oh yeah. But, please, please do. Yeah. Cause it's, it's so nice, man. And then, uh, so like John had more of the carting barriers, like the red and white, uh, plastic barriers Yeah. right before the event started his, his order that was six weeks behind on delivery showed up and we unloaded 200 <laughs> of those so barriers perfect. which it was perfect yeah we were kind of at the point we were already like i guess this company, it. yeah <laughs> grab this, the spray paint I don't, I don't know yeah but no like having those physical barriers just so much better too for like outer zones and yeah the edges of the track you see things differently yeah yeah it gives the drivers like a visual aid and it just looks from the outside it it makes it looks more professional track. and yeah yeah, ra- yeah like it's like a real racetrack man and he had some uh with the asphalt down, he added some concrete curbs on the islands and some mm-hmm. of the like uh, elevation changes where there would potentially be breakup from cars going on the edges or like water okay. runoff. Well, asphalt's not cheap. So he's yeah. like, I really have to retain, I have to use this concrete as like a retainer for the asphalt. Um, yeah. And he put a little bump in it. So it's even like, it's, he calls them curbs. They're not curbs, but they look like rumble strips, right? So no it's got like a little way. roll, a little roll in the middle. And we uh we got out there. I was like, dude, we gotta hit these with paint. Like <sighs> you can't just have concrete. Yeah. <laughs> and we went to the store, we got white and red paint. All the guys are out there rolling. Like that's hilarious. Like, this isn't what we expected to be here for. I'm like, yeah, dude, but we just gotta do it. We're here look now. At it. I don't know what to tell yeah, you. <laughs> and look at it. You could just look at one curb and then look at the other curb that's painted, and you're like, okay, it's that's totally it. yeah. worth it. Yeah. So like uh, when Austin's doing the drone shots overhead and they're painted, mm-hmm. like that looks like a real deal racetrack. If you yeah. flew over it now, you wouldn't be like, does that person have a racetrack around their house? You'd be like, <laughs> there is a racetrack right there. There's a fucking know? racetrack with a house in the middle of yeah, it. Exactly, <laughs> That's what you see instead. Exactly. With That's a big hilarious. Giant pool, so. Well, how does, uh, so I know it's kind of like an invitational. How would someone, if they'd, aren't very, I guess, well-known or whatever, but they have a good car, you know, they're good at driving. How would they be able to get into an event like that at the Drift Mansion? Um, so we're going to continue to refine the the application process. It Right now, it's not really an application. This first one, mm-hmm. um, I basically privately invited drivers and then kind of opened that up to be like, hey, if you vet someone else or if you vouch for them, yeah, then, you know, I'll review them and and give them a pass. Which again, we needed this first one to fill up just for proof of concept. Yeah, you know it's 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 hard for a lot of people, especially when they're used to paying a hundred or two hundred or three hundred dollars for a track day. Mm-hmm. When they see the price point of driving at one of these events, or you know this first one, yeah, um, it can be a little overwhelming. But at the same time, you're not paying for just a track day; yeah. you're paying for two full track days with massive amounts of seat time. It's not a hundred cars on track. It's gonna. And you be, said food and everything was supplied and stuff like yes. that, right? Yep, yep. Okay, so, so um, yeah, uh, there's like 16 beds in the house. So we sold beds in the house. Some people camped. Some people went and got hotels. Obviously, the the entry level 
the, mm-hmm. the price point of those different entries is different. Yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, and then meals are uh, prepared at the house or catered in. So we had um, like a pretty simple, you know, like your typical like hotel breakfast. Yeah. And then lunch is scheduled into the driving day. Dinner is scheduled into the driving day. And then we had a bunch of companies that contributed, even though this isn't a competition. Mm-hmm. We talked about this earlier. It's like, Dude, you got to have incentives for your events, especially if it's a higher price point event. That's this premium experience. Like I want these people to come out and have a a drift event that they'll never forget and a driving experience they'll never forget. But then also to when they buy into it on the front end, you know, and they and they spend, you know, fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah. All at once versus buying a three hundred dollar entry and getting a hotel separately and going to the restaurant after the event. It feels like you're pitching me like a um a weekend summer camp trip or yeah, something it's, like it's a all drift inclusive. camp. <laughs> it's yeah. so awesome. It's all inclusive, right? So that's that's the beauty of it. Um so then we have these companies that are like this sounds sick. You know, of course I've I've worked with a lot of these companies in the past too and as a business owner, I, Yeah. I understand that we have to deliver, you know, it's not just we're asking for stuff, you know, like I'm hollering at companies that I truly use on my own builds and I, I respect those companies yeah. and I want them to be involved so that other drivers can respect them the same way. And even people who aren't at the event are like, man, that's sick, dude. Like these companies back an event mm-hmm. and give these prizes away just for fun. Yeah. You know, because this is such just a having fun those thing. companies tied to it gives that sense of professionalism. Like this is a no joke event. Like this, exactly. is, this could be a potential event that'll happen every single year, and I'll get my opportunity. Yes, it agreed. gives that feeling. Agreed, and you know, it just it, it feels fuller too when we have their logos out on the track and their flags, mm-hmm. their tents. Um, Man, it, it just we spent days setting stuff up and and driving stakes into the ground. The ground out there is like rock. We we yeah, had yeah. a few guys out there like trying to uh drive stakes in the ground. We're like, dude, uh Johnny from Poetry Emotion, the tire changing dude, he's out there and he's like, What's up, man? You guys are struggling, I'll come help. And yeah. right away he goes and drives a stake in the ground and like rips his hand open before a weekend of changing uh, tires for people. And this dude, again, another guy who's like I'm going to take my 40 foot enclosed and, and pack up my business and come to you guys to offer tire changing services. Just hoping that these drivers like actually utilize it. Yeah. Which we, you know, it wasn't, it's not like a comp event either. So we're not, we don't have super high horsepower cars. that are burning through mm-hmm. a pair of tires every lap or every two laps or something like that. So we're not as, uh, the volume isn't as much, but he sees yeah. the vision and he's worked with us in the past and is like, man, that sounds sick. Let me yeah. be a part of that. I want to contribute. I want to be a part of growing this, this project. So, um, so yeah, so we had all these companies contribute at the end of the day after dinner, everyone's, you know, smashing dinner. We're in the shop yeah. and, and here we are, we're like giving away an ECU and, That's uh, so cool. set of wheels and tires and, uh, coolers and uh, yeah. like like you know radiators and stuff it's like dude we gave away a crazy cart uh which is very fitting out there yeah so, <laughs> you'd um, be the only one here with your own crazy cart <laughs> yeah exactly exactly cool. man so it was it was a a very unique experience and i think 
having those incentives really helps drivers to be like, well, shoot, man, I'm biting the bullet on 1500 bucks, like all at once. Yeah. I have the potential to win a $1,500 ECU or yeah. set of wheels. If not or more, yeah. yeah. Um, a set of coilovers. Like there's there's so much stuff that you could walk away with out there. So I think that's a cool. good point to make for a lot of the event hosts out there that need or struggling themselves and they need to understand that you got to have some type of incentive I know I said earlier about for spectators as well because yeah. with bigger events, stuff like that, it's going to draw more of a enormous crowd like Grid Life does. You, you'll, you'll need to advocate for the spectators just as much as you do the drivers in that sense. But if, I think for like the Drift Mansion stuff that you're doing, advocating for the drifters and making sure that they can be there because in that, they're they're the ones funding it. They're the ones paying for everything Absolutely. as well. So I, I think that's highly important for people to know. For sure. And and we would at, at that facility, we wish we could have spectators, but to be fair, it's already max capacity when we get mm -hmm. thirty-five trucks, trailers, and cars. Those drivers, they're limited to only one crew member too. So oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. So you can't be like, hey guys, I bought a spot at the event and I'm gonna load my dually truck yeah. up as, as, let's cram five people in here but we can't do let's that let's grab the toter home everyone hop yeah. in <laughs> yeah exactly and we had to be limiting on that too just because of the overall amount of people because this is not set up for massive amounts of people so yeah. and again like you just said so as an event host to have these incentives for the drivers but then to deliver on those incentives mm -hmm. um, to these companies because these companies are massively contributing yeah. And we had to invest in in reach out and find the right people to do media. That's extremely important to be able to to have deliverables to these companies, you yeah. know, because yeah. um, they can't just give us the stuff. And then we say, yeah, we we gave it to them. Yeah. Yeah. Just the, yeah, the, it's, it's, out there. it's not that simple. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the whole thing's marketing and, and it's good for the sport. You know, some somebody could be like super grassroots and. Like, trust me, I've done all the grassroots stuff. I love grassroots. But when you want someone to give you a free $1,000 product, you have to put in a little work, you mm -hmm. know? And when I say a little work, it's more work than it sounds like, you know, because even to grab your phone and make a, a little video as a driver and be like, hey, I just won this. Shout yeah. out to this company. Most people aren't doing that. Yeah, most people know? won't even take the time. And like... For someone like me, like that's a video like that is very simple. I could technically get that done within 20 minutes. Yeah. And that might sound like a fucking ages to someone. Yeah. But uh, to me, that's just so simple and a part of my day to day life that I've, I've made it to that point. I've forced myself to be that. Yeah. So I, I, I don't think it necessarily comes with the amount of work people aren't going to do. It's just their own motivation for, or lack thereof motivation for anything productive. Yeah. I, I think well, that's also the main practice problem. makes perfect. So like that's yeah. part of your profession. Whereas somebody else is like, nah, that's not me. I've just came yeah. here to drift and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to do that. So that's where also falls on us. That was part of my job was to make sure we have the right people there to do that for them. That's so awesome. that's not the driver's responsibility. If they're not trying to be a, full-blown comp driver mm -hmm. that's like i want to be a personality and i want to talk to the camera all the time and some people are like man i paid to be here 
I just want to hit some laps and go, go home, <laughs> go home or have a beer with my buddy that came with me and talk about the car. Yeah. Like, even though we stand and look at it every other day, we just want to do that. We're and in a different envir- environment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know, that's it. That's how all of us started too. Even if you do this for work, mm-hmm. it, it started that way. Yeah. Nobody like, got their first car well maybe now because there's so many influencers and kids <laughs> yeah, kids yeah. like grow up and are like i want to be an influencer it's like yeah. well you need to do something that's influential yeah you can't just influence be aren't in, just influencers yeah. just because they're there yeah you need to be doing something that other people want to do exactly it's not just yeah. talking about doing stuff and sitting around dreaming about stuff it's like <laughs> you got to get up and do it so but yeah so the 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 media guys we had out there, man, they crushed it. We had um, Austin uh, Palermini, which is yeah, he has a uh, Alma Alma Marketing, but he also was one of the main guys from Clutch Kickers. Yep. Um. So if you if you notice, like the video that we just put up, and a lot of the like shorts and reels and stuff that mm-hmm. we post, I haven't been able to sit down and watch the full video, the oh, twenty dude, minute video. We're, we're doing that. I, I want to see it. All right, we're cool. doing this. Yeah, we can time. do that because <laughs> yeah, it just came out like two days ago, and we I've watched it like ten times already. Hell yeah! Because <laughs> also I stood at grid sending cars both days, and most of the layouts I'm behind the house, and oh, all okay. my guys that are flaggers on track are we're on radios and they're communicating to me like if I'm good to go. So I watch cars initiate. And then they disappear. Yeah. It's so, so for you didn't me, get to see hardly no, any dude. of the drift. That's crazy. Yeah, right. I see why you watched it 20 plus yeah, times. Right? <laughs> yeah. But no, Austin crushed it. We had um, Chris Flink from Flink Films uh, oh, no, out him. there. He's a, yeah. He's cool. He's really good. Yep. He's good too. He He's still working on his video. Um, and then we had Vicente from Unknown. I think it's Unknown Union. Uh, but he also does a lot of the stuff for uh, Kansai Wheels. Okay. Yep, and so a lot of their videos and stuff are produced, are shot and produced by him, and so he was out there shooting for them because they were like the biggest contributor to the event. Gotcha. Um, so he's working on like a movie. He's got like he had like storyboards and they had props and we're doing oh goofy stuff. He's like oh he's like you see us doing all this goofy stuff. Don't worry, man. When you watch the video, it'll (laughs) just don't question the process. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. I mean, they had like funny helmets and. They were breaking stuff out on the track. We had uh, Nikki, one of the guys, he like breaks something and like jumps in the back of my car in the hatch and I do a burnout and take off. It was like, I don't have a clue. Yeah, I don't know what we just did, but sounds good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, are you okay back there? Just hold on. Use the roll cage, man. But um, but yeah, so hopefully, and we're still working on, uh, by the time this is out, a lot of those companies will have received their media return as well but that's that's essentially how we're paying them back for contributing to these drivers is creating content for them mm-hmm. that's specific to them and highlights their brands and their and their parts yeah. which again it's very easy to do when you actually use them on your cars so like all the companies that are involved are all companies that I've bought parts from so mm-hmm. I'm not like just getting stuff for free all the time it's that I buy stuff from them to use on our builds and then that kind of shows the worth so when we reach out to them we're like hey we're doing this really big thing do you want to be a part of it and then not even that not to be like this kind of goes into like asking for sponsorships Mm -hmm. but from an event or a driver standpoint but when we reach out to them know what you want 
mm-hmm. you know, instead of being yeah. like, hey, I was wondering if I could get some stuff for free. Like never what? Works, yeah, yeah, man, I can send you some stickers. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, I was like kind of thinking order. more like 10 grand. Uh, no. Nope. Well, first of all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What it, for? Yeah. Why? Almost any company within the drifting or any type of motorsports. I've never seen it, them just hand out Monet- money. Yeah, monetary sponsorships it's, very hard to acquire. Yeah, it's all free parts normally or discounted parts, stuff yeah. like that. And same thing, like with Griffin, yeah. I, I don't monetarily sponsor anyone. That's just because we're, as I was saying to you, is like we're a two-man team. Yeah. We have this yeah. giant brand recognition, but that's from all the hard work mm-hmm. and all the marketing and building the brand. I, when I started the company, it wasn't, scott who makes steering wheels i didn't want people to know me yeah like i wanted it to be professional and i wanted people to understand it was a brand with a logo and i think you did a phenomenal job at that because whenever i first got into cars in general grip oil is definitely one of the first brands i ever heard of because you know steering you're holding a fucking steering wheel every time you drive a car so yeah man you're, you gotta grip it <laughs> but well yeah but like that you were one of the first brands and I never even knew your name until probably two or three years after even knowing the brand. Good. So that's, I think you did a phenomenal job at making sure that was the way it was. Thank you. Thank you. I'll take of that. Of course. Of course. But yeah. Well, jumping off of that topic, uh, give me a rundown on like kind of your childhood, where you came from, who you are. Oh, a childhood. Well, I'm still a child. No. <laughs> well, anybody that's a car guy is just a grown-up child. That's yeah. that's No, and I are. say that. I'm really not. I'm very much uh, being the business owner and having to go through all the – go through learning curves of all of that has definitely taught me how to grow yeah. up. But, um, but no, so uh, I don't know. had a pretty good childhood. My – I would say pretty good. I had a great childhood. My parents – kicked ass That's awesome. both my parents are um from up north they are both ex-military they've traveled internationally oh, yeah. a lot they've lived internationally um i was born in england but while my parents were stationed there um still u.s citizen though don't let anybody get confused <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah it's constantly like com- <laughs> constantly complicating my life whenever i go to like apply for stuff but um yes yeah, so thanks thanks mom and dad but uh but yeah so uh my parents bounced around a lot we ended up in the uh mississippi gulf coast area because of an air force base down there awesome. that's where i spent most of my youth and my parents are both very disciplinary and mm-hmm. structured uh my dad's uh home hot rodder guy so i i was into cars like straight away like as a baby i loved cars always loved cars um you know as i got into like middle school and high school i even i dated a girl one time like two weeks into dating you know like when we're kids but yeah yeah. she's like you love your car more than me and i was like yeah i do like Like, you i've been loving cars way before you came around but two weeks i've known you lady But, um, but no, man, so just always was around like the hot rod and classic car yeah. um, scene My, on the Gulf Coast. There's a huge uh, uh, week long event called Cruising the Coast or yeah, cru- I've heard of Cruising the Coast. And um, yeah, it's it's gone on like pretty much since I've been alive and it's a week long. It spans across five cities. So like every year my dad's going to 
the local car shows, but really he's like prepping for this week long hot yeah. rod classic car thing. So it's always been a part of my life. And uh, that's awesome. Bought my first car when I was like 13 or 14. Got a CRX. It was wrecked in the front. You know, my dad's like, you save up your <laughs> birthday money. We'll buy you something that's broken and we'll fix it. And, you know, as a kid, he's always like making me do stuff. He and my mom were always like, you know, you got to do all these chores. You got to help me build this. You got to fix yeah. this, paint that. And as a kid, very I'm like, militant oh, household. Oh, I just want to go play. Yeah. My friends, like, I even at one point was like, my friends don't want to stay the night because in the morning you're like making them do chores with me. But now as an adult, once I became independent and like had oh, my own house awesome. and stuff, I was like, I see why. Psh, oh, dude, it yeah. just. It crushed my work ethic is so high. I I love working. I love what I do now because I've worked so hard to get to a point where I can do something I enjoy. Yeah. And there's still things I don't like about work, but my work ethic pushes me through. And it's totally because of how my parents raised me. I hundred um, percent agree with that. Cause I like I've said it before on podcasts. I come from a military family, so I've always had that militized militarized however the militant. fuck you say it. yeah militant uh household where you can you do your chores no matter what job you're doing even if it's digging shit you'd be the best shit digger there be is the you know yeah 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 and I, that's that phrase alone has replayed just stuck. just stuck on repeat in my head my entire life so uh i i can i'm here for it yeah. with the work worth that work ethic thing god yeah. damn i can't speak right now yeah, they they pushed me into that, and um, and so like I said, like for I wanted a car since I was you know a kid, and uh, played with cars, and then when I was like thirteen or fourteen, my dad's like, hey, I found this this Honda CRX, which you know we're talking, this is probably like later nineties, and so the car wasn't that old either. Yeah, but it was yeah. it was a like eighty nine CRX, and it had front end damage. And so I bought it with like birthday money and my dad's like, you can help me fix it. And it'd just be me like complaining. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's hot, hot out here. here. Yeah. And he's hold the flashlight, boy. You know, like that, that kind of stuff. And uh and we we fixed it up. He sold it because I didn't really help. And then kind of just did the same thing a couple more times. Uh, so day I turned 15, I'd already been studying for driver's license went and yeah. got my learner's permit that was my birthday gift like it was like the day i turn 15 take me to go get my learner's permit mm -hmm. driving around with my mom my mom's like yeah you can drive like because she's got to ride yeah. with me for six months <laughs> so like i'm driving everywhere my parents cars when i got 15 and a half you're able to get your intermediate did that the day i could day i could get my license i was the first in my friend group to have my license and have a car yeah. Of course, it wasn't like a super cool car, but it was a car. You and had somewhere to get from point A to point oh, B. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So everybody's piling in. I was taking all my friends to school. Um, of course, it had to be a stick. My parents yeah. required me to drive manual, uh, which, again, thank you. Thank you, guys. Yeah. And my, uh, my parents pushed that heavily on me. Yeah. And it's, they I understand. They never forced me, I'd say, but like, I, I try, I did an automatic. And then I was like, I just, I got really curious myself because of how much talk. My parents always did have a manual. My mom always drove a manual. My dad always had uh, at the whenever I was growing up a manual five speed S ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like oh, I so was always just around. Used to seeing it. Yeah, like, I was always used to it. And then I was like, once I I drove an automatic, I was like, dude, I feel so fucking lazy right now. Yeah. What am I doing? And yeah. I was like, all right, dad, let's let's take the center out. Let me see if I can get it right. 
And I finally got it, never went back since. Yeah, exactly. And if you're into cars, it's like you like putting the effort into driving manual because you have more control. Yeah, you that's know, what you, I've you, always you said. Can... You can, you actually have control over the car. Exactly, exactly. So, so yeah, I taught all my friends how to drive stick, and that was always fun. Like a lot of my, I want to say all my friends, but a lot of my friends when we were like 16, 17, I'm teaching them how to drive stick. Yeah. And now looking back on it, it's like such an awesome memory you know like yeah like i got one how many people i've taught to yeah right i agree yeah and at the time you're not doing it for any reason except to get them out there right it's like hey man you could go get a car too and it's they're cheaper if they're manual (laughs) you know they normally don't even have a radio in them or anything it's like cars are so Mm -hmm. simple then but but yeah man so uh saw a i'll transition into drifting so i did a couple cheap you know, little fixer upper cars with my dad mm-hmm. and uh, got to driving and, you know, this is fast and furious. One is out and uh, I'm going to the, down the Gulf coast. There's a lot of casinos. So I'm constantly going to arcades. That's when, um, again, this is pre mobile phone. I yeah. mean, people had mobile phones, but they were just phones. Yeah. Flip phones. So, and yeah. Yeah. Stuff phones, like that. Yeah. Uh, like Blackberry was like the business yeah. phone. It had just come out the first one. And, uh, so kids were actually like going places to hang out instead of doing it more virtually. Yeah. You know, we had instant messenger and stuff, but like, um, <laughs> what, Nintendo DS with the little chat room things uh, you could DS do on those, bro. <laughs> uh, this is probably like Nintendo. Well, I guess maybe DS. Was out, I think but, DS was out then. Um, or no, it would have been like GameCube. GameCube oh, era. fuck man. GameCube was awesome, dude. Yeah, I love like the era. GameCube. But so like DDR, Dance Dance Revolution was like really big yep. and all the casinos had badass arcades. Okay. So a lot of the kids who were like into gaming and stuff, that's where we'd go hang out was at the casinos. Because you can go in, there'd be this huge arcade. Basically, they want you to dump your kids in the arcade before you go gamble. Mm-hmm. So um, so DDR was huge. Initial D, the arcade games where you could have the card printout. So you basically play the game. Have you ever played it? I haven't actually played. Well, I may have when I was little. I don't. Yeah. I don't. If I did, I don't remember it. Okay. I'll say that. So they're your typical driving game at an arcade. Yeah. Seat, steering wheel, shifter. But when you'd play with the card reader, which is when they all came out, they all had it. You know, mm-hmm. then they all just got broken, and people didn't care. Of course, arcades went down. Um, people start playing like candy crush on their phones and stuff like that but <laughs> you're boring fucks <laughs> <laughs> um but so yeah so uh you go to the arcade and you play you build you, you're basically just like the show initial d you battle uh you battle somebody and then if you pass them you battle the next person it gets harder and harder and harder gotcha well you choose your car when you're done it stamps uh like holes in this playing card so it has like uh, initial D graphics all over it and it stamps holes in it. But you can come back later, load your card in and pick back up on your story mode. What? Yeah. So it's like story mode that no you, shit. You, you keep a physical card. So you be like, you have your card and you're like, if we want to battle, uh, like if you don't want to play story mode, but we want to like tandem battle yeah. on the game, we can both load our car. And as you progress, you like mod the car more of and course, it gets better. Yeah. So like. So you could be like, oh yeah, well I got Dude, a that's so out cool. Car. And you'd load it in, and we'd battle, and there'd be like a line of people trying to do that, and yeah. Uh, so, so that, and then I went to this. Hondas were huge, you know. Everybody wanted a Honda straight line, 
you know, street racing and drag of racing course. and stuff was big. Uh, having a B16 swapped CRX or a, 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 <laughs> yeah, you were the golden kid of the neighborhood. Yeah, they were every like EG hatches were everywhere, right? Um, I go to this dude's house that was a couple years older than me, and he's big Honda guy, and he's got this giant uh, projection TV, like the big big yeah. box TVs, and he's watching these Japanese uh like racing videos. And I'm like, what? what the hell is this dude doing? It's called drifting. And it was like, it was a dude in an old a eight, six Corolla, which obviously that's like the main car in initial D as yeah. well. And he's driving and he's like, you've probably seen the video. He's like, I forget the guy's name. Um, but he's going up the straight. And as he's hauling ass up the straight, the wheel up front, he's just jerking it left and right. And then he's like flicks in. So he's like driving down a straight gaining speed, but the whole time he's doing this with the steering wheel. <sighs> And and he flicks it in, and I'm like, ah, oh, dude, I was hooked. I, <laughs> I'm watching this DVD, and I got lost. And so I've already been playing Initial D, so I think drifting's cool. But I'm, I'm watching the anime. Yeah, I'm playing the arcade game, but that's like it. And and then, dude, I saw this, and I was like, I got to get one of these Corollas. Yeah. No matter what, that's the future. I need a Corolla. <laughs> yeah, and so it's like cool. the slowest car too. Yeah. So, but I'm like, I've got to get one, man. And so I had switched up a few cars, you know, like I said, these fixer upper cars. I finally got a nice car. I got a VR6 uh, Mark III Jetta. So it's like, Sick. yeah, so it's like leather, power windows, power locks. It's got nice speakers in it. <laughs> it's got torque. It's like, yeah, it's like just really nice. I'm going from these like. That was like my first modded car. It was an 03 Jetta with the VR6 in it. No yeah. way. Okay. Love that car yeah. so much. Yeah, with the VR6 too, they're, that's a stout motor, right? But <laughs> Yeah. So I got this. I've, I've upgraded to a nice car that like my girlfriend actually wants to ride in. Yeah. And. I go and trade it to this guy for a 86 Corolla. Um, he had swapped the motor to it's a silver top 20 valve motor from Japan. Nobody knew anything about this thing. The every wire was exposed. It was, it was a hodgepodge home backyard mm -hmm. before the internet had all this information. Um, the car was really clean, but I, I traded him straight up for this home turboed 20 valve silver top a86 which is anybody who's familiar with the cars they'd be like man it sounds pretty sick and it was yeah but i was like 16 and i didn't know shit about <laughs> actually working on cars i'm still like holding the flashlight for my dad and watching fast and furious and initial d all the time that's pretty much yeah. my background on cars so i got this like massive hodgepodge project from this dude we traded pink slips uh or titles whatever and uh, there's that fast and furious talk yeah i know <laughs> so we drove across from uh from biloxi to ocean springs this giant bridge i don't know the distance maybe it's like mile and a half two miles or something it's a pretty long bridge over mm -hmm. the over the water i drive across that meet this guy at a sonic trade titles get in the car halfway across the bridge it starts cutting up and spitting and backfiring and stuff oh, i end up Get across the bridge. Me and my buddy are pulled over in a parking lot for like four hours waiting on my dad to come rescue him. And that was my life no. for the next seven or eight months, dude. I would, <laughs> Just I would, ranching. dude, I would be working on it in the parking lot at school, 
I'd like get to school and it would break down and I'd be like, well, when I get out of school, I guess I'll be in the parking lot. My dad come have to tow me. <laughs> my I kept a strap in the car because I was just like, somebody's probably gonna have mm-hmm. to tow me. Um, and everybody would hang out like on Friday nights at uh, back then it was in Gulfport. There's rice. It's called Rice Pavilion. It's just a big parking lot, basically. But, yeah. Um, my my goal, you know, as a kid in high school, I was like. I just want to go show my car off. I yeah. just want to go park and talk about it with people. And I was so, so ecstatic. And every Friday that thing would shit a bucket. <laughs> yeah, dude, it would, it would be broke down every Friday for like the uh, first seven or eight months, man. So all it, of y'all motherfuckers just felt that one. I know you did. Yeah. For real. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's uh, and but after that car, we moved up to Memphis I brought it with me. It was still just too much for me because it was so heavily modified. Had it been like the stock 16 valve 4AG, yeah. it it would have made sense. I could have like referenced information online or gotten like a Haynes manual or something or mm-hmm. whatever. But it was just way too modified for me to keep properly. I, I never should have got rid of it. Of course, that's how anybody with these era cars are now. Yeah, I never of got course. rid of it. But um but I, I ran through a few AE86s. I started drifting, did my first drift event in that car. Uh, before we moved nice. up to Memphis, I went out to uh, NO Drift uh, back in the forum days. Like I told yeah, you, everybody yeah. knows everybody because we're all on these forums. So NO Drift was the New Orleans Drift Forum. Mm-hmm. And um, I went out there to No Problem Raceway was the name of the track. And it was like a like a peanut-shaped road course. So okay. I got to do my first drift event in that car. My dad drove me and my buddies out. Um, like he trailered it and we all fell asleep like little children in the yeah, backseat, like piled up on <laughs> each other. Uh, but it was my first drift event. My dad fully supported it. He was so into it. Um, both my parents supported it. And uh, and so did that one event down there. And what's crazy is some of those guys are still active in the drifting community as well. We're still good nice. friends. They're still uh Inno Drift's still around. They host events at the uh what's the New Orleans track? But the New Orleans track now is like really nice. It's, yeah, it's yeah. a big yeah, multiple courses and stuff. Yeah. Um, but Inno Drift, that was some of their first events too. So like we're all like drifters on this yeah, forum, yeah. but we're like, we've never done an event. We're like <laughs> we're all new, but we're the we're the guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that was drifting back then. It was mm-hmm. like stock s chassis that people were like oh yeah i went to my local muffler shop and had them put on a fart can on the back yeah but the cars weren't super old so they were pretty good cars and we just didn't there was no expectation either we're watching these videos of mostly people in cars like this like yeah you're just going off of what you saw yeah but that was the sport too is like pro cars were like when formula d started it was like an sr swapped s13 with coilovers Mm mm-hmm that was a pro maybe car. pushing 400 horsepower oh even that. i even doubt that like yeah. i bet most <laughs> of the cars were just straight up like so i i could i have no facts about this but i bet you someone had a stock ka at oh, the first I'm year sure. of formula d i'm like, sure um so yeah so those guys some of them first event as well moved up to memphis got a couple other corollas started doing the events with traction optional yeah and um Got rid of the Corollas because the parts were more expensive and uh, just kept of course harder to find. Like I'd go to an event, everybody had an S chassis. I was like, "Fuck, I'm the only guy with a Corolla, and if I break something, like 
again, I'm still young. So I'm like, I don't have spares and nobody yeah, does yeah. that yet. So it just snowballed, man. Oh yeah. Now multiple S chassis. I've got an off road S chassis <laughs> that we've built, um, that I'm just about to finish up on phase two. We popped the first motor and, uh, about to go pick up a 350z i'm yeah, a little late to the z one. game which but. it's fine it's fine yeah. we're gonna get it's just I, it's just kind of getting in there where the z's are taking over the oh, where the 240s yeah. were exactly you go to an event and the z's and g's are everywhere yeah i love the generational thing every generation has its designated car yeah and i think the um the a90 super will be the next one you think so i, I think i that's that's my guess hmm. since there's so many people like interested in designing parts for that thing already yeah in 20 plus years or so i think that'll be the car they did come out with a manual mm -hmm. gearbox okay even without that like uh the like lz and drift hq guys they're working on the the what is that like converting the paddles or whatever yeah because an automatic transmission in a bmw a newer bmw is still a manual so transmission yeah, it's, it's just got yeah, so it, it I never really comprehended that until I drew, drove an M6 where you can when you're pressing on the gas, you can, it feels like the clutch is engaging. There's uh -huh. just no clutch there. And they're they figured out a way to where you can still manually shift it uh like a sequential almost. Really? Um okay. yeah, Adam has quite a, a couple videos on that where they were testing it and it's too rich for my blood. Yeah, I got to see Duarte's car like at the 4th of July event yeah. and see that in there. And that was really cool, but I don't it, it's definitely a long way from its prime whatsoever, but I think with the integrations it's already getting, that'll be the car. Yeah. That'll take over that, the seat. I I would counter with BMWs just like in well, general. Yeah, it's like yeah. Cause there's a lot of them out there and it seems like they're like LSs. They're just like Legos. They all piece together some way. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe there'll be another LS platform that comes out. That's good. Cause I mean, Corvettes tra cool. transitioned away from like a driftable, really yeah, a driftable mid engine and, now. Yeah. And Camaros and, uh, Mopar stuff's all like so big. It just yeah. doesn't really, most Mopar stuff don't even, it's all automatic true oh, automatic yeah, they don't even do stick do they yeah challenger is the only one that has a manual in it other than viper really? oh. but um shit what was i oh so okay so since you have been kind of in the drift world for so long what is like would you say the most drastic change you've seen over this period of time mm, the the good and bad. Yeah, I mean the transition in drifting, I would say it's just uh, it's just bigger. Like the mm. sport is more uh well understood and known yeah. to the general public. Uh we're seeing a lot of marketing like dude, any car commercial, it, whether it's and most of them even if they're not real drive, you're going to see them like out on like the salt flats or wherever yeah. it is out west and they're like ripping through a corner looking like they're drifting right yeah. it's just like on every car commercial now um i don't know man it's just every everything is bigger and badder and faster than it was before like more people know about it the car there's more cars that are capable mm -hmm. uh more cars that are obtainable um more part availability you know we, we kind of discussed it before is like the if you get into drifting now mm -hmm. you 
not only do you have the opportunity to just get a car and, you know, swipe your card, order some parts, they show up at your house, you bolt them on, they're like ready to go yeah. out of the box, right? Yeah. But also your expectation of what drifting is, is not what it was back when, like, like when I started in like 2005. Yeah. We're, we're watching videos of dudes like open diff sliding around a four way, like just hitting some little baby corner and they're like basically power sliding. Yeah. That's like power it. sliding in the rain and they're doing that. And we're like, Oh, who's yep. killing it. He's the best. And like now people get into it and they're like, well, you know, I see, I see Matt field do drift week in his pro level Corvette. It's I should a normal thing. Now. I should get a Corvette and throw all the part shop max yeah. catalog catalog on it and go do drift week with uh, Lone Star. Like, yeah. I'm just going to, that looks like fun. I'm just going to go do that. And to be fair, that's kind of one of the pitches that they have is like, you will get so much seat time in this week. Like someone who just started drifting and goes mm -hmm. and does one of those week long events at all these variable track or ver uh, various tracks will probably have more actual real life seat time than someone who drifted even on a pro level from like 2000 to 2010. Yeah. Like, uh, like some of the guys 100%. that inspired me to drive, like, uh, like somebody I always really idolize, um, when I was younger and, and I don't know what his whole career included, but, um, like Alex Pfeiffer was one of the drivers that I watched that really inspired me. Um, mm -hmm. uh, like I was telling you before from, uh, the old DVD that I watched drift society. Yeah. That was, uh, yeah. uh, Randy, he went by Ronzo. So I watched this DVD religiously when I lived on the Gulf coast. And when I moved up to Memphis, here he is, he's yeah. one of the guys that formed traction <laughs> optional and I can't even believe it, but unfortunately, those guys, those those guys did all this work and and really brought the sport to the states. Yeah, but it was before it was a thing here, so they're kind of before their time and paved the way for us. So I'm sure they got plenty of seat time, but now, you know, like like I watched Rainy come back, and in Japan, he had all these parts and stuff, and uh, I hope he doesn't think that this is like dogging him or anything, but. <laughs> He came back to the States and like he was a big rotary FC guy yeah. and the car just always gave him shit, man. We yeah, would yeah. go, we would travel to Nashville or Atlanta or wherever we went and that car would ruin his day. Yeah. I watched it as a, as like the pit guy. I was like the pit kid. You know, I was young. I couldn't afford to travel. Yeah, I didn't have course. a car and like, I'm just going with these guys that are, you know, my mentors. It's along for the ride. Yeah. And I just want to be around it. I love it. And they, I'd watch this guy be pissed off at this car. That's just never acting right. Mm -hmm. And now you could be like, I want to get into drifting and I'm just going to buy this Z that has a blown motor, buy all the parts, drop in a five, three out of a Yukon. Yeah. And I'm going to get, I'm going to go do drift week and get, you know, however many, a hundred hours of seat yeah, time dude, in a week. Absurd. Like dude, unnatural amount of hours. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy to me. Like I've done more drifting in the last three years than the 15 years before that collectively. Jesus. 
It's crazy. That's so wild. But it's awesome. And that's yeah. kind of goes back to you and I had slightly hit on this, um, you know, when we had lunch is you want what you can't have. This whole generation is so spoiled yeah. with attention span um, and everything being just fed to them for free. Well, not even just that. It's it's the whole uh, the golden era has passed us. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. it hasn't. This is the best. And I know there are other people out there advocating this same thing. Like, yeah, yeah. There is not a better time to get into or fire up that car that's been in the shed for years like that. You, you know, your life took over and you're like, I'm not selling the car, but I also all my buddies have gotten out of it and I don't know anyone And my, nah, dude, today's the time to go drift. Yeah. Like, especially cause they, you know, there's all these tracks shutting down and stuff. Like it might not last forever. Yeah. Um, the future of the sport might not, we don't know. Yeah. And I don't have anything to back that to say it's, it's, you know, the end is coming, but like, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but now the government, is the, maybe, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, but, um, but no, like it's the best time to go. There are more events. I was just on the phone with Nick Swan yesterday and we were talking about how there are so many events that we quite literally have to choose between events on the same weekends. And that sucks. But at the same time, that's it's a, a blessing. good problem to have. It's yeah. a blessing. Yeah. And yeah. It, the only thing that I don't want to see is that we completely sat, we oversaturate the yeah. the events and the market um and that comes down to again you have to pick and choose so like if there's an event that's like not if they've been doing events for years and i hate to say this sorry some of you event organizers but like if there's someone that's been running events for a long time and they're not adding to it and you're yeah. watching all these people um in the city next to you like their events get better and they're adding to it and they're adding features to the track or they're they're reinvesting into the track or the drivers or they're offering prizes or whatever. Go go support those events. Mm -hmm. Because if we get to the point where everyone's just doing like bottom of the line work, yeah, and you're and you're ditching out on the people who are like busting their ass to make it an awesome drift event happen in lieu of, oh, this one's like half an hour closer you know if we yeah. get to that point where there's like there's just a drift event going on every two hours you know it's like yeah we don't want to oversaturate the the scene to the point where all the good stuff gets dropped and we're all just like oh we're just yeah the expe expectations are too high and nobody wants anything to do with it because it doesn't meet any of their expectations yeah i always say that now is definitely the most easiest time to get into drifting but it's also the most humbling because everyone else's expectation of you and anyone getting drifting like you already already have this image of how someone drifts like we yeah. were talking about yeah. earlier it's not so, a little skirt it's yeah like, like you already expect people but that it's drifting is such an unnatural sport too that even even though it is very humbling in that aspect you will still have almost every single one of those drivers come up to you and try and help you through that oh absolutely as well so it, I don't know. I'll I always advocate for this sport, man. Humble yourself is kind of what you're Correct, correct. Yeah, because like, that's uh, people I, – I, I have a lot of newbie viewers. Yeah. So um, people getting into drifting, I've I found that the most – the thing they like, holds them back the most is just embarrassment, simply. Oh, for sure. Because they see all of these amazing drivers and yeah, they see how suck. good they are. I don't want to get out there and be worse than them. And like yeah. we were all in that spot. Every single one of us. Absolutely. Just do it. Absolutely. And, and well, in that being said too, it's like, 
if you just started the sport, don't get all upset that you're not driving grid life. Like that's yeah. an application yeah. style event. It's a huge road course. There's like 60 cars on track at the same time. There's pros out there in $80,000 cars that that is their livelihood. So like you know your place, you know, yeah. like if you're just started, don't be embarrassed to go to a, a grassroots event and spin out and stuff like that's, but humble yourself. Like you're saying, don't yeah. go out there and be like, I'm going to, I'm going to crush it, man. Yeah. Listen to the rules, ask people questions, be willing to learn because that's, what's fun about drifting. Like drifting is mm -hmm. challenge and yeah. we like the challenge if, and that's kind of where some of all these, these mods, like, dude, you can get a car now and, and slap all this stuff on it. And like, I see a lot of this now running, running events too. It's, it's, um, guys think they can buy their talent and drift. You can only get so far with having the right cars, like the, the right parts. Mm -hmm. You have to have your car set up. That that's a big thing, especially if you want dependability. Cause like yeah. if your car's not properly set up, you're going to be fighting it. You're going to be aggravated. You just, you, things aren't just going to work well. Yeah. But, but I, I, if the driver mod isn't, dependable yes you're not yeah. going to get very far with whatever parts and with all these mods too you see though you see a lot of this like it's a it's a crutch mm -hmm. so like a lot of these drivers they can get out of situations because of not knocking on big angle like that's that's it's part of drifting now yeah um i come from before modded knuckles and mm -hmm. angle kits and all this stuff like so there was a while, uh, an era where we were all like, you don't need that. Like that's, that's yeah. cheating. Um, no, but like the sports big. I, for me, I still kind of live by that era of mentality. Uh, I don't know if it's just because I have kind of an old soul, but like I personally don't think, no, even with a thousand horsepower, you don't need wise fab angle. Like yeah. it's just unnecessary amount of angle, but there are some cases where it could save you from totaling your car. Yes. And absolutely. that's what I see is important with angle. Yeah. Other than that, if you're just trying to learn, keep it fucking stock angle or Simple. as minimal angle as possible. Plus the kiss mentality too when you're just getting into anything. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Keep it simple. <laughs> um, you know, and and but but then you see a lot of that as these guys are trying to buy their way into what they what their expectation is. Mm -hmm. And Dude, just driver mod. Focus on yourself. Focus on your driving. Mm -hmm. Focus on your line. Um, there's a lot of guys I see with these LS, built LSs with crazy angle kits. The cars look awesome. Um, yeah. they, they they even go so far as to be like, you know, radiators in the back and fire suppression system. And I mean, which is great. Safety, go all out for sure. Uh, nobody wants to see you like fried up like a chicken leg, man. Like, but when it comes to these overly built cars, Dude. well, if you don't know how to run a good line, mm. like you just don't run a good line. Linking I the have course a is a perfect different. example for that. So I'm not gonna call any names. I don't want to do that. Call Dude. them out. Call, <laughs> not, <laughs> call them out, babe. No, uh, this was somebody I knew. Uh, they're no longer in drifting anymore, mm -hmm. um, but. They had never built a car for drifting. They had never really drifted other than randomly a couple times in someone's car and then on a sim, but yeah. cheap sims, like the yeah, yeah. G219 or whatever, the Logitech stuff. Um, 
So we kept try- they they kept saying they wanted to get into drifting for so long. Uh, we told them just get your simple seat time car, keep it as simple as possible. Blah blah blah. This person was very elaborate, very uh, artistic, I guess. So mm-hmm. they they wanted all the style stuff, like they wanted to be make it presentable and all this. Built this car from bare shell, no suspension, no nothing, Dang. all the way to literally a pro spec level car. Yeah, for their first car, and throughout this entire probably three four year span of them building this car, God, I hate everyone that. around them had told them stop, do not put that cart on your cart, do not fully much. build this LS, do not fucking do all of this shit, and you're, you're literally literally telling them you're just gonna wreck it as soon as you get out there. They had oh, done no. during the process, they had done a couple laps in a Z, um, and then a couple laps in a KA two forty. Mm-hmm. And that was all the drifting, <laughs> real life drifting they had ever done. And fast forward, they got the car completely done. They take it to, I think it was the first or second event and completely cripple this car. Oh, man. Completely. And Four th- years from then, never got back into drifting. Yeah. And, and I see that a lot, too, with these overbuilt. Well, you, you know, I'm kind of hitting both ends of the sword here, or spectrum sword, uh, whatever. You know, there's guys that are building the cars and they're dependable because yeah, they yeah. have these because the, the recipe is already set up mm-hmm. and they're dependable. But they kind of just it's taking them longer because they're kind of crutched on um, driver development because yeah. they can they can link the course and they can tandem and stuff. It's like, man, I wouldn't I'm not tandeming with you because because yeah. no offense, I just can't afford to fix my stuff because you're not running a line that I like. It's not mm-hmm. something that I would run. Um, it's not predictable to me and that's kind of yeah. all of it. I'm not comp tandeming. I don't comp drive. I'm not into that. It's not yeah, for me. I mean, I'll agree. fall to pieces, man. I, yeah. I don't have the mental strength to handle the stress. <laughs> I, my thing is I get too competitive. I, w- I will You'll get too wreck into the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'll, I'll destroy the car in order yeah. to win and yeah. I don't want to do that. No. I, don't, I don't have the wallet to do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then you get, um, uh, what were you saying? Uh, overbuilding and well dude all right so like dude spends all this time and all this money for something he thinks he wants to do Mm -hmm. bad first experience now he's out man and that sucks because the sport doesn't have to be that way it is expensive it is very uh you have to endure it like it is Mm -hmm. you're you're going to work on your car for months if not years and do it over and over and over again just to get minutes of seat time. Yeah. Like you're, you're doing full paychecks and weeks of work for minutes, but it's worth it when it works. Yeah. And, and do that seat time car, man. It's just a great way. You see all these guys with these fully built cars. They're like, even the pro guys, they're like also have a seat time car. And a lot of times their seat time car is junk. Yeah. Absolute junk. Or it's just like a stock anything with yeah. the essentials you know at a certain point yeah it's still expensive like to me like my corvette i i love it i just drove it four and a half hours or four hours here i drove it four and a half hours to st louis last week and i to me when people are like what's done to it i'm like oh it's just it's just the basics and they're like yeah. oh it's not it i'm like yeah it's pretty much stock I'm like well what's done to it i'm like oh well coolovers it's got modern knuckles oh, wow. it's got a it's got a, e, a hydro in it it's got uh 
it's got all the exhaust and all the intake and uh, it's got a seat and a steering wheel as basic of a bolt-on as it gets yeah (laughs) but yeah but it's like well you start listening they're like that's not stock well to me it is though because it's stock power the motor came in the car stock drivetrain yeah um none of the interiors removed it's not it's the opposite of what i spent the last 15 years doing Mm -hmm. and and that thing is the best like investment for enjoying drifting that i've ever ever done man that's why i said i've gotten more seat time in the last three years because of that yeah and that's that's given me the opportunity to go get seat time that's my seat time car but i can also drive it on road trips i can go get groceries in it me and my wife can go somewhere and we're not like getting out like sweating our you know my hair's all poofy and yeah yeah you know we could go on a date in it if we wanted to sorry lauren we haven't and <laughs> um, <laughs> called you self out in the pocket. yeah sorry honey but um but you know that's it dude and it, and it brings that passion back from mm. like like your guy you were talking about earlier it's like I mean, that seat time car is essential. Um, and yeah. especially now that that's a thing, even for these highly built cars, man, because you, you, you overbuild the car, breaking stuff. You're fixing stuff all the time. It's expensive. You mm-hmm. burn, even if you don't break stuff, man, you burn it through a pair of tires and like a lap or two. Yeah. Um, so anything that's over 500 wheel horsepower, like just get ready because it's, it's expensive just, just to not break it. Yeah. Um, and use it. You almost need $1,000 a month just to throw it towards the car. For sure. If you're driving it on a consistent basis. Absolutely. And so. I think that's a, a, a gap that the newbies don't understand is just the only reason a lot of those big drivers have those cars is because they've gone through every little incremental thing they can to drain their wallet. And the last thing they want to do that on is another car that's solely there to just give them seat time. Yeah. So well, and keep it simple. And but but these guys that do have fully built cars that have seat time cars. So to the newbies, like start with the seat time car. Don't go yeah. all the way in out the gate because mm-hmm. just look, the circle comes back. The circle of drift it comes back around. Like these guys are building these full cars, and then what are they ending up with? They're coming right back to a seat time car because they love the sport. And y'all thought that name was just nonsense. <laughs> I did that on purpose. Yeah. It came from the circle of life. So that okay. that was the the main drive towards it. And I was like, but it like everything revolves in drifting. So like uh, it just worked. Sorry. Yeah. That was no, it doesn't. <laughs> we just applied it right there in that yeah. conversation. So I don't know, man. I hate I hate to hear that that somebody spent all that time. It's not even just the money. Like some some people have great income and they and yeah. it's just they could build a full race car on their own private budget and good for them. Like yeah. that's not and everyone. I say that all the time. If you got the money to do so, do whatever you want. Like yeah. don't don't get me wrong, but I'm just preaching to those people that are like that that spent not just the money, but the time away the from time, family, kids, time. like anything like that. Mm-hmm. Like don't sacrifice that shit for some hunk of metal, bro. That's just dumb. Well, do it. Do it, but don't well, do it out the I, gate. I, I would say, like kids, stuff like that. Don't sacrifice that for your car. That always comes first. Yeah, but, but and and don't do that out the gate because you're setting yourself up for disaster. Like, exactly, or hindering yourself. We go back to the the guys who they can link the course, but they're not running a line. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. it's just not a great way to start. Like, kind of ease into it, just like anything else. Like, you don't need to go. If you're learning, learn it. 
incrementally. Mm-hmm. Don't don't see what somebody who spent 20 years in the sport don't use them as an example and a goal, but don't yeah. be like on oh, my first month, I'm going to have what that person has and do exactly what they're doing with 20 years they've invested into this sport, you know, and that yeah. goes for any sport, you know, you're just, you got to pay your dues. Oh yeah. You got to practice. Practice makes perfect. Would you say that's like the biggest lesson you've learned in drifting so far? Or you guys? Oh, that's a big that. lesson, but I don't know, man. Drifting's taught me so much. Yeah, like, I, I don't know if I have like one single lesson. I, w- I think the humble yourself, like you really kind of hit it there. That's, yeah. but that's kind of like a general life thing. But, um, I'm 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 pretty big headed, especially when I was younger. <laughs> when I was younger and I started the company and I was and it was doing really well as a, like a new concept. You know, now there's a lot of competitors that are doing what we're doing mm-hmm. and the the market's gotten kind of saturated so but we're, but we're established now but when it first started man and i was you know or or even back drifting like back in the day like i did a comp at our local track yeah when i was like 19 or something in my corolla <laughs> and like it was like me and the other younger guy and we were like the the two that won your first and second yeah versus a bunch of older guys in like 100 200 horsepower cars instead of 100 horsepower cars and that shit went to my head so hard dude oh, i'm sure like, i'm one of the best drivers around here Can't touch this. yeah and and now thanks to social media and the internet and everything being so fully uh you know weaved together i think it's a little easier to humble yourself because you can see yeah every everybody else you're you're you can be a big fish in a small pond but like you're able to look at all the other ponds so yeah you you start to realize it's a big ocean out there so um humbling yourself is a big thing and i don't know man as far as what what i've learned what i could say is a good lesson from drifting it's the endurance it's not the end like we all want the end result we want seat time yeah like i just want to be in the car drifting if i didn't have to paint another steering wheel for the rest of my life or do like even this like if we could be in our cars right now drifting versus this yeah no offense i'd rather be there that's of course that's where my heart and soul wants to be all the time but it ain't that simple so it's like shit i don't even know i I think that pertains to realistically any industry not just drifting if you're if you're passionate about something, you've got to be in it for the long haul, not just the yeah endurance. the in, uh, enticing moments. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's oh. tough, man. Like you just said, like homie wrecked his car after four years building it. Like that's I've seen a lot of people come and go in this sport. Yeah. Which is also like from a business as a business owner and kind of touching back to like the whole like asking for sponsorships and stuff. It's like now it's very easy for people to be like. Yeah, I'm an influencer. I got all these followers. Give me stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I don't know. Like something about you. I bet you won't even be in a drifting in a year or two. Yeah. And I wish everybody was in a drifting because it just makes the sport bigger and better. And we have to weed through, you know, some different attitudes and stuff now and and different um, demeanors that are in the sport. Mm-hmm. It's not like it used to be, but that's fine, too. Because like we even said, the golden era hasn't passed us. It's just a different golden era. It's yeah, it's a way it's more advanced bigger. golden era. It's more advanced, yeah, for sure. It has a lot more 
features about it. Yeah. So you have to learn them all. If you just want that one way it used to be, well, sorry, that's just one piece of the pie. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's, I'm rambling, <laughs> dude. dude you're, like... good. you're good. Well, tell me, uh, tell me about Grip Royal. Then I know we kind of discussed a little bit beforehand how you kind of branched into Grip Royal, but what what kind of started all of that? The steering wheels. Um. So, yeah, when I was in high school, I've always been kind of like an entrepreneur, businessy, industrial type person, mm-hmm. uh, playing in bands and stuff. Growing up, I was nice. always like, "We got to make merch. I want to, I want to uh, press our CDs and." You know, graph, self-taught Fuck. graphics designer and stuff. Dude, I used to make these Galaxy shoes, bro. I would, I would paint Galaxy print on That's shoes sick. and sell that in high school That's and middle sick. school and stuff. Yeah, I was all about finding ways to make money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Monkey fist. Hustler. You yeah. remember those? Nah. I used to make monkey. They're with the little, the little keychain with the paracord, and it was a little ball at the end. Oh, like the like weaved ones. Yeah, you, like, I used to make those. Yeah, because you just, just buy like... little ball bearings and put them inside and weave it and shit. They're super easy so to you make. Just made weapons in school. D- fuck yeah, bro! <laughs> Ten bucks a pop. Who wants one? Yeah. When uh when CD burners first came out, I bought one and it was like a one X speed. That was like the speed that it burns. Yeah, yeah. So I had like one of the first CD burners at my middle school, and was like on Napster. And LimeWire and what was the other one? It's like Kazaa or something like that. I was on all those like pirate download ones, which we all were at that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And and I I would take orders from kids in class. And make, <laughs> yeah, and download the mixtape they wanted and burn it on That's a CD. So awesome. And we're talking, it'd take me like an hour to yeah. burn one CD. And and I'd sell those, you know, five, ten bucks a pop. Five or ten bucks back then. The value of a dollar was a lot higher. So um but no, nah, man, so uh always been into like business stuff and creative ideas. And um my buddy Chris, well, I had I had some steering wheels. I had found uh these steering wheels that were really high quality. I really liked them. Mm-hmm. Um, me and my buddies were running them in our cars, and I was like, you know what, I think I think this is a good business model. I was actually working at a at a shop that like imported used parts from Japan at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had they had brought back all these steering wheels that I'm pretty sure they got from like behind like they were at like a junkyard. Um <laughs> and so they're all they're all like really cool wheels. You know, they're like name brand stuff. The stuff that you'd buy for like 300 bucks. Yeah. But they were all destroyed. And so they brought them back and we're like trying to sell them for like 250, 200 Jeez. bucks and stuff. And this is kind of at the era where everybody was still buying used Japanese parts. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't, you didn't buy new coilovers. You bought coilovers from Japan that somebody yeah, else yeah. had already ran. Um, so this was at that transitional period where companies were just starting to like make stuff, and most most stuffs produced in like Taiwan and China. Mm-hmm. So like everything was coming used from Japan. Or, you know, if you're a real baller, you're buying it new. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I'm in the southeast. It's not like California. We weren't like yeah, the we pioneers. Yeah, we ain't breaking bread that much. <laughs> yeah, we're not like the pioneers of drifting. Everything took a few years to make it yeah. to the middle states, you know. But, um, so, yeah, so they're, they're, we're trying to sell these, like, busted old wheels. And I found this these new wheels. And I'm like, yo, we should start selling these and make a brand. It mm-hmm. didn't really go anywhere because it was just a a side thing for them. Yeah. So I was like, let me, I want to buy these wheels. I'm going to do this on my own time. 
And so I bought the inventory that I had convinced my boss at the time to buy. I bought it back from him. I okay. started my own brand. And basically at night, I was on forums. Um, I was on Facebook. This is like before, uh, I think Instagram maybe had just started, but I wasn't on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, There definitely was no Snapchat or TikTok. And Instagram was just pictures. Yeah. You know, um, but I was on Facebook, like basically doing cold sales, like reaching out to people. And so I'm starting this brand, just trying to build it. My buddy, Chris, who is super creative, and I still turn to him for advice all the time. He's like, I want to paint. I want to paint one of the wheels. I want to paint it neon yellow, which neon colors were super hot then. Mm -hmm. um, so he paints the wheel. I was like, well, let's paint another one and throw it on Zilvia, which is like big S chassis yep. parts website and everything, a forum. And so we put these wheels on. We put a, a neon yellow steering wheel and a white painted steering wheel on Zilvia under the name Grip Royal and. I couldn't keep up, which of course I was just like one. I was a yeah, like, I was a young dude. adult living at my dad's house, trying to do this thing like at night after I've already worked a full day, and uh, and it it took off. It took off really well. It was a very fresh idea. You know, there was only uh, the white steering wheels, wood steering wheels, and I had seen some like color change Mazora wheels that were yeah. coming from Japan. But there wasn't like a bunch of color options, right? So us starting to take like, hey what color do you want us to paint your wheel? And someone would go, well, I want like baby blue and I want bright red. Yeah. And so we started making that and it was a very original business idea concept. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I started that at my dad's house. Uh, my dad, again, hot rodder guy. So he had built a really nice two car detached garage that like matched the house brick and the roof was like the Sick. same as his house. You know, this is like, he built this really nice garage for himself. Well, then I come through and I'm like, move your shit out. I got a paint in here. And I, I got a business to run. Yeah, Get out. <laughs> yeah. And so I like, sorry, dad. I, I painted in his shop for like two years and the whole inside of the shop was everything's covered. If you've, if you've ever oh, painted man. a car, man, it dusts everything. I so. used to work in a body shop. So oh, yeah. Totally understand. It. Yeah, man. So his floor that he had like spent all this time epoxying is like, all gritty and shitty now and, um and yeah so it's like sandpaper oh yeah and, and it's just that like dull gray because it's a mix oh, of yeah. all the colors that have ever yeah. been sprayed um but yeah so I, I basically ran grip oil out of my dad's house for the first two years um i it took off i didn't like the direction that my day job was going mm -hmm. working at that shop so i decided to go full-time with grip oil and really pushed it because I saw some momentum. So I was like, I got to keep this up. Yeah. Um, and my buddy, Chris, I mean, he taught me how to paint. He painted for me when I couldn't. Um, he was just like, but he was like, I don't want to do this. I want a real job that actually has solid income. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, yeah, man, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, he, he did right. He put himself back into school. He got an engineering degree, got a master's in it. He, he's doing very well for himself and he still comes and helps me do all this stuff with grip world. He'll travel with me to shows and everything. Yeah. But, but yeah, man. So I like, I, it, it, was just me in my room then it turned into like another room upstairs at my dad's house then like the whole upstairs of my dad's house was grip oil i hired my first employee 
which was my my good friend Zach. Uh, he designed our logos. He had gotten out of so cool. he got a bachelor's degree in graphics design, mm-hmm. then couldn't get a graphics job in Memphis. So he was like, "I'll come work with you." Design my logos. Worked with Gripple for the first few years, um, and eventually his graphics career took off. He's he's yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, he works at AutoZone corporate now. Oh, that's and, cool. Um, yeah, nice. which they he was actually at the Drift Mansion event. AutoZone doesn't deliver to them; they're so remote. But he got them to run a parts runner back and forth so no all way. weekend long he's sitting there at an auto zone t- uh, table with flags set up and if a driver broke something they come to him he calls the local store and they drive someone out even though it's outside of their delivery radius auto zone stepping the game up yeah i love yeah, that shout out to auto zone and zach um because it all happened because of him man and he loves drifting that's it yeah. he's going out of his way to make sure you know they're a part of the grassroots community so cool um, yeah, then, then another one of my buddies, uh, Briggs came and worked with us. And so there's like three of us at my dad's house and my dad's like, we're upstairs slaving running, away dude, we're <laughs> a whole business at this place. We're going, and it's That's all so upstairs. Funny. So everything that we get in, we have to carry up and downstairs. I'm painting Tossing steering out the wheels. <laughs> no, I'm painting steering wheels and like carrying them with fresh car paint through his house. We were storing them in, uh. We had a closet upstairs that was built in with shelves. And so we were putting them in there so it didn't stink up the whole house. Yeah. And like putting like heaters in there and stuff. And um, yeah, eventually I had to get a actual business location. Yeah. <laughs> so we moved to like a, uh, an a office space in town. I set up a paint booth uh, at a buddy's shop and uh, we, we decorated the office. It was really cool. We had, we went in and the guy, and we're like, it's like three 22 year olds and we're all like just you know oh what's up man come come rent this place no <laughs> business etiquette at all and uh and we're like but we gotta paint everything the carpet's gotta go and and we came in and i had this dude uh you know like the pattern the like uh it's like looks like elephant skin or like concrete that comes on like i think it's like jordan's Oh yeah, you know yeah, it's like okay. the like gray with like the, the little black like yeah. cracks in it and stuff. Um, I don't know, ele- elephant skin is kind of what yeah. it reminds me of. But we we had like some crazy carpet that looked like that. We had uh, some guys come put in. Oh god, dude, it was wild. The what? the walls were all mint, <laughs> uh, like mint like mint green was like super popular in that era. So yeah, we, did, we had all these like mint everywhere we had like a monogram on the wall we spent like two weeks decorating this office because we were like oh, we're Lord. real we're real business <laughs> yeah now. we're not we my made dad. it yeah we're not at my dad's house so <laughs> um worked out of there for a few years and really learned you're just constantly like reevaluating how do we how do we fit more in this room you know how yeah we don't have a lot of resources so how do how are we going to and you can't get the right shelves to like store steering wheels and stuff like this. We're like, how do we build something to make our job easier today? Yeah. You know, and just more efficient. Yeah. Efficiency is key and always reevaluating. Like you can get comfortable and then six, 10, 12 months down the road, there's a new, you know, you, you, you add something new to the business or, you get another person there mm-hmm. or just anything. You're like, oh, now we've got more of what we had before. So we need to figure out a whole way to double. We thought this was efficient. 
Yeah. We need so to figure out a back way. back and forth. Yeah. We need to figure out a way now to fit twice as much stuff in here because efficient is not efficient anymore. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I didn't go to school for business or anything, but just like I said, kind of hustling. Yeah. Always doing stuff growing up. It just kind of kept me at that. You had a knack for it. Yeah. I, I'd like to think so. And um, so we moved from there into a bigger spot. Uh, the landlord wasn't very... Um, considerate of us being and we were kind of in like the back corner of this building and we would we signed a one-year contract just as like a test run with him okay and um it was my previous office building landlord but we moved in this shop did all these renovations and stuff and we would come out and like they'd have like a delivery and they'd leave the truck and like we'd be boxed in it literally couldn't leave work and stuff like that it was like what the constant headaches where like we're just freaking out like dude how do we what the hell you know just so (laughs) yeah and then and then uh crazy after about after the first year of dealing with that um and and i was always pushing the envelope financially too so like Mm -hmm. we're constantly pouring back into the business expanding trying to get more inventory because this is a ground up build and uh and there's no there's no uh Investors, to, or, there's no investors, but there's also no like guide on how to do this. That's true, and yeah. Uh, yeah. it's a very fresh concept. And uh, the guy who owned the building when I before I started Crip World and I worked at that shop, mm-hmm. that guy knew me from being an employee there. They moved out, and he I was still he, he's a a machinist. Okay, so I had been having him make small parts for us, like our our shift knob adapters for like Euro cars, but they don't have threads and stuff like yeah, that. So, okay. so I'm having, he's delivering orders to my new spot. My, where my business is now. Yeah. And, and he's like, man, you guys really take care of this place. It's really nice. And I'm like, yeah, thanks man. Like we busted our ass. Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure I killed my, the nerves of my hands scraping that first shop's floor it had like spilled paint all over it. Oh, and I oh. used a air chisel with like a four inch blade and did a 2,500 square foot shop with this thing going in my hands. Oh, no. And my hands Absolutely are wrecked yeah. now, dude. Um, big mistake there. So biggest life lesson. Don't destroy your body for the job. Find a smarter way to do it. Um, <laughs> at the time, I yeah. was like, oh, we can't. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to rent a $400 floor scraper machine. Yeah. And instead I'll instead it, yeah. I'll do this for two days and destroy my hands for the rest of my life. So I think that's the nature of a car guy. Yeah. And just kind of the especially the era you grew up in. Yeah. For sure. Oh yeah. My it dad was, was either the, become self sufficient or just die. Yeah. Like, and you, my dad's the one that was like, You want safety glasses? What are you your baby yeah. or something and now i'm like dad don't don't shame me for trying to not go get a twenty thousand dollar doctor bill because i got stuff in my eye and had to go to the <laughs> ER. like you know because it's easy to be like man just come on tough up. i was definitely that now man. the whole doctor situation i'm not i hate doctors i hate going to the doctors i hate insurance it's like, expensive it, i don't mind going dude, but it's, it's expensive i'm yeah. not trying to do any of that yeah. i don't want to waste the time or the money because mm. i don't have either it just, dude, what pisses me off so much is going 
to sit there for 10 minutes and not even 10 minutes. You're like there for 10 seconds in front of an actual doctor. And they're like, you're fine. You can leave. And then you got to go pay somebody 150 fucking dollars, $200 probably now. Yeah. Just for them to tell you you're okay. And that, that's something that has never sat right with me, no matter what type of insurance you have. Yeah. No, that's that. And I think that's more like a general kind of checkup. too. But if you have to go do like a surgery or something, there's nothing like being scheduled and waiting in the waiting room for an hour and a half. It's like, what kind of business are you guys running here? <laughs> right. This is a joke. Yeah. But yeah, we went from there, dude. We we moved. So that so my uh this guy comes to deliver parts. He's like, This place looks great, man. You know, the guys you used to work for are moving out. Would you be interested in in moving into my shop? Yeah. And I'm like, anything to get out of this place, my landlord. Nice guy, but very inconvenient. It's just he's too busy to consider what we're doing. Yeah. To treat us like, you know, kind of like equals. Like I know we're not equals, but financially, mm-hmm. but uh, but like I'm trying to grow a business. You're already established and you keep wrecking me and my guys. We can't get out or into work. And um, and so he comes through and just is like, Hey man, are you in a contract? I was like, My contract here actually ends in a month or two. And we moved up to this guy's shop, which is circling back around, man. The circle That's of trip. So it's cool. where I started working for someone else now it's my shop and no fucking way yeah man and we we went in of course for me to big aesthetically every especially if now we're using social media to run the company mm-hmm. so aesthetically the shop has to look good that's a requirement it's not a yeah. it's not a it's not a want it is a need yeah and best time to decorate your garage or your shop is before you put all the stuff in it so we go through, paint the floors, clean the walls, paint all yep. the office and stuff, move some stuff around that needed forklifts, added uh, pallet racks where we needed to. I've got now I've got a 4,000 or 4,500 square foot shop. Uh, it's a huge shop mm-hmm. that we run. Um, so we've got all of Grip Royals, like, uh, like order processing, our offices. Um, we're running like assembly for all of the steering wheels. Cause every single steering wheel gets handled by Mike and I, um, which, yeah. So then Mike gets added. We, we downsized as the shop got bigger. We had to learn that, uh, I had to go through some learning phases. And yeah. unfortunately I had to like cut some of my, my crew. Cause we're like doing a lot more hanging out than working some days, which gotcha. is weird, man. That's, yeah. that's a big lesson too. doing a small business. Um, that's like a startup. Who are you going to hire? You're going to hire your friends, especially if you're younger and everybody doesn't have established um, uh, career paths yet. So I hired a bunch of buddies. We had a vision, um, but the the workload and in part and mostly my fault because I wasn't um, I wasn't a phenomenal leader or yeah, business yeah. owner or I manager. Agree. You know, I'm I'm I I'm still hanging out with the homies. We're just clocking in every day. Yeah, it's hard to kind of break that. Yeah, that fine line of it is. business and pleasure. It is hard because we want that fine line. That's what yeah. this job is. I'm not trying to make it be like a corporate job. Mm-hmm. I want you to come in and for us to actually be friends and work together on a goal. And we just kind of lost sight of that. So we had to downsize as we moved into that shop. I had to downsize our, our crew. It ended up being just uh, my boy Mike and I which we have a long history, mm-hmm. grew up together as kids, both relocated to Memphis. So 
we both need this to work. We, we, we locked down real hard, moved in this bigger shop, man. Every single steering wheel that comes in gets handled by either he or I, every one of them gets boxed. We make our, all our, uh, our product packaging comes from uh, another friend of ours Mm -hmm. in town. Um, you know, we produce a lot of the small parts in shop. Uh, Mike makes every shift knob on a lathe now uh, by okay. himself. So it's like every single shift knob that's ever been sold by Gripper Will, um, especially the acrylic ones. In almost all of the acrylic shift knobs that we make are 100% made from scratch from Mike. I made some for a while. Damn. We had some of the other guys making some, but like that dude's made like thousands of shift knobs and Damn. and has the shift knobs have, was that like there from the beginning pretty much no 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 no. so we or... just started with the steering wheels and then i i did some um some like beer tap shift knobs that we produced okay. uh we produced those overseas we produced those in china um but we had to assemble them and everything I, so i made them look just like a beer tap yeah but they're threaded for you know multiple shifters and stuff and these things were big and bulky and they were real wood. Nah, they were cool though, but it was like <laughs> that fad kind of faded out too. Yeah. And it became another one of those things where it's like, we don't have full control over it because we have to produce the parts. We have to wait on the parts. I want stuff here that we can make to the customer spec. So, uh, so yeah, I figured out how to turn parts on a lathe and try to replicate that same concept. And then I was like, why, why am I? trying to make beer taps <laughs> basically we were like let's make shift knobs that actually like feel good in your hand for like drifting and mm-hmm. racing and stuff um and just fine-tune on that so yeah. so we've learned we've all learned so many tasks or uh not tasks alone but like skill sets yeah from grip royal that's basically grip royal form because i like drifting you know it's all come back to drifting and that's why I still, you know, I told you earlier when we started the company, I had to drive around in this white van. I'm going to all these drifting events and Mm -hmm. racing events and car shows, but I don't have a car. I have a car and I, I started this company because I love my car and going to these things. I want to go to these events, but it just robbed my soul. I'm going to all these events and like people like, what'd you, what'd you drive here? I'm like, Chevy Express. (laughs) (laughs) It's parked right there. The white one. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you have to do that. You have to, yeah. you got to sacrifice. A little yeah. You got to sacrifice. You got to learn, um, you know, where your highs and lows are and make improvements. And it's just not going to, you can't, can't look at a company that's already established and be like, oh, I'm going to do that. And that's what we're going to do. I'm going to go and I like drifting. I'm going to go drift and we're going to, people are going to buy our stuff. Cause I, dr- oh, it doesn't really work that way. Yeah. So, but it's gotten to the point now where he and I, uh, Mike and I at grip Royal are, super dialed in we've we've learned and increased our efficiency in almost every way like 10 times over Mm -hmm. Um, what was one big change that you made to the business that really like made things super efficient um other than like bigger shops stuff like that like obvious well i mean just dude i'm super organized and um OCD about like everything and then being overly explanatory is Mm -hmm. um is another big plus for me so which of course I've gotten better with time and experience (laughs) but but so like for example we we would have to go back to that 
if what's efficient now is not going to be efficient later. So you yeah. always have to reevaluate yourself and be self-aware uh, individually and as a team and as a company. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for example, we're doing customer support. We've always done customer support on emails because it's something that we can reference anytime. Like if you've emailed Grip Royal and asked a question in 2017, I can pull it up. Yeah, it's on you record. Yeah. I got it all on record. We don't do anything on the phone uh, because we're we're busy. We're yeah. actually trying to do other people's orders. So if you're calling asking a question, we don't get anything done if we're on the phone. So mm-hmm. we've never had a phone, which is extremely helpful. It confuses some people, but if we were some massive company, I could pay somebody to just be on the phone. That would make sense. But for us, everything on record, uh, it's all in writing. Yeah. So when you order keeps, a custom protects both you and the customer. Correct. Correct. Um, so we would go back and say, all right, well, on customer on customer support or service, mm-hmm. what's what's a problem that we're getting a lot? Like what are people emailing in and being like, hey, how do I do this? Yeah. Or how do or uh, I'm having a problem with this, or you know, you guys sent this wrong or something. Like anything that is has repetition to it mm-hmm. how do we stop that yeah it's so like how do we solve that problem before the customer even gets to that problem and has to ask because then on top of that now we're not spending two hours of the day answering those emails yeah so that opens up two more hours <clears throat> you know if we can just spend a little more time focusing on how to solve that problem on the front end one it makes the customer's experience better mm-hmm. but it saves us time effort and we get to take that time now and reinvest it into something new at the business or increase efficiency somewhere else um so your email list yeah (laughs) that i actually really like that because that that is very true i could see that which is hard Um, like for you like now you're you're putting this out on multiple platforms mm -hmm. so you have to keep up and and that's kind of what sucks too so hard if comments are really hard yeah Keeping up with all these platforms at that, it's not just one. Like, I used to just run Facebook and Instagram, and now we have, like, multiple accounts, a business page, uh, TikTok, uh, Snapchat, and the email. We have multiple emails, so we get different questions to, like, different emails, which is good for categorizing stuff, but that's why if you ever see on our on our business stuff, it all says like, go to email. It's not that I box people out and I'm like, nah, uh, if you DM and ask a question, I'll answer. But if yeah. we get to a point where you're like asking about what you want to order, you've got to email. Yeah. And unfortunately, well, I can say fortunately that actually kind of weeds out some of the, the BS because sometimes people window are just shoppers like, and sometimes stuff, people yeah. are window shopping and sometimes people just have way more time than you do. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, like I'm, the, I, I relate that to Facebook marketplace. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So people will just like, and even outside of sales, like I bet with you, you probably get people that DM and they start a conversation the conversation is not really going anywhere, but they're like, oh, I'm done with work for the day and I'm just curious. And you're yeah. Yeah. literally trying to work on what they're asking. I'm in about. the middle of editing a podcast, <laughs> like trying yeah. to focus. Yeah. And they're so, like, hey, yeah. man, I saw three podcasts ago. You had this weird question with this dude and I wanted to ask more about that. And, yeah. And that's good to like get conversation going. Yeah. But at a certain point, like for us, especially since 
essentially there's going to be a sale at the end of it. We're like, all right, this is getting a little involved. We need to put this in the business folder. Yeah. And I'll come back to yeah. you when it's the right time. Because right now, like, so for us, we start the day with office, that's customer service, order fulfillment, mm -hmm. and then anything else comes after that. So like we start with getting those who have paid for their orders, their stuff needs to get boxed and ready yeah. to go out the door right away. First priority. Anybody who's asking a question through the correct channel needs to get answered right away. Then it's, let's get back out in the shop. Let's box more inventory. Let's prep stuff for paint. Let's uh, hey. let's do any any operational stuff. We need to move a shelf today because we've got a pallet coming in or whatever. Yeah, yeah. All the operational stuff then is the next priority. And then it's the you know, the, the driving program or the cars. Cause we have, we have multiple shoot, even taking the truck to events. That's, I got to maintenance that thing all the time. Um, but the mechanical stuff doesn't pay the bills, but they are instruments that are necessary for us to stay authentic. Yeah. And it to be fair mm -hmm. to genuinely be authentic because again, I'm a car fan. I'm a, I'm a hot rodder yeah, and I love drifting and I want to be doing that every day. That's why I started and run Grip Royal, mm -hmm. not the other way around. I'm not a businessman who saw drifting as an opportunity to grow his business. I'm a drifter who started a business and thankfully have had the support of that sport. And so, so not only do I, you know, get to pay my bills and put food on the plate, yeah and you know same thing with mike we we love what we do we the the money's not great but the day-to-day -day is you yeah know? the experience it brings along with it correct is, yeah makes it well worth it yeah and we don't really wake up and hate our jobs like so that's that's a big plus man a lot of people don't want to yeah. go to work man and i i get it i understand and i do too which is why i'm in the predicament that i'm in yeah I just, the corporate world is just not for me. I can't do it. Yeah. I, I, there's something about working for someone that really pisses me off. Yeah. Well, working for someone is, is acceptable. I, in my opinion, it's being treated like a team member and being appreciated is very important. Like, cause you can't do it all by yeah, yourself. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I do see what you're saying. You, know, you, yeah. you need to be able to do a lot by yourself. Mm -hmm. But you have to be willing and able to accept help from others. And that was a big struggle. That was a big lesson that I've taught myself. Yes. Well, I would say taught myself. I finally have opened my eyes and ears to. Yeah. Um, because people have tried to help me in the past so many times. And I'm a very, I got to do it myself. I don't trust anyone. And I don't trust anyone to have my best, best interests in mind. Like mm -hmm. nobody can have a better interest for me and my business than me. Yeah. Right. But there are some people out there. They're just, it takes a while to find them and you got to weed through a bunch of bad oh, or sure. misconstrued concepts of that before you find the right ones. And, um, and that's, that's kind of like friendships, you know, yeah. friendships. It's just like the same thing. Like you're, or uh, especially as a business owner, like employees, like you're going to go through people that just don't click people that clicked for a while, but then it fades out. Um, yeah, you know, I, yeah, you know, then there's, then there's going to be those solid ones that like, 
dude, you're going to ride out to the end. Well, do you see what's kind of the future plans that in your head for right now for Grip Oil? What do you see? Man, we're just trying to keep on trucking. You know, yeah. it's just uh, keep it alive. Yeah, keep it going. Uh, we're like I said, we're pretty dialed in right now. Mike and I have this year, I think, have had a little more time to actually spend personal time. Uh, like you, you even said earlier, like you know, can't don't focus on the car and like bypass your family and friends and stuff. And like, man, when it is your business, I've done that a lot. Yeah. Like I definitely have done, you know, 14 hour days for back to back and then traveled for like, that's literally week. what I'm in right now. Yeah. Just I had absent. to cancel. Uh, sorry, mom. I, I'm sorry. I do feel bad about it. I had to cancel Ooh. on my mom literally last week of her, her coming here to visit, not even me going to her in Jackson. Her coming here, I was like, I, I just, I have so much work to do. I like, I can't take off. Yeah. And well, you're like, I have time. I have timelines. This is time it, it, sensitive. Yeah, exactly. Stuff, so. Yeah. It's not something like in a corporate job where, like, if you don't, everyone's doing the same thing at a mass scale. So, like, if yeah. you're a little, like, didn't get one little thing done today, all right, I'll come back to it tomorrow. It's no big yeah. deal. Well, even but. on a corporate scale, I think, I think you probably feel more conflicted though, because the decision had to be made solely by you so if you worked at some corporate job and and they were like sorry dude you need to come in all weekend because otherwise you're gonna lose this job because you had the time to do this or this is a huge thing that has to be done and they and they put that on your plate you might not like it but at the same time that's the the double-bladed sword like most people are like i want to be I want to be my own business owner and I want to have my yeah, own business. But like they're dude, not willing to deal with those risks. And yeah. Well, or like to that, make yeah. those decisions because mm-hmm. it's easy to be like, man, my boss is an asshole. He, he's making me work this weekend. Um, sorry, I had to cancel. And then you can do the work all weekend and still kind of in the back of your head, be like, fuck that guy. It's that dude's fault. <laughs> yeah. Like, but I'm, I'm gonna get it done. But like, I'm missing my mom because of Steve. Um, you know, or whoever, you know, like he's just like, it's his fault, not really mine. That's so funny. But then when you're the business owner or, you know, just, just you in the business, you have to make those decisions. You have to make those calls mm-hmm. and it is morally and mentally taxing because you're, you're like, dude, I just had to cancel all my mom. And you know, you're like, Oh, could I, could I squeeze it? Like you start coming up with all these other alternatives and kind of just beat, beating yourself up because yeah. you don't have someone else to blame now. Or everything falls on you. Yeah. Or you're the failed business owner. That's just like, man, I just didn't get the project done on time. Sorry, client. Sorry, viewers. Yeah. You know, uh, we normally release on this day and time every week, but third weekend, you missed it. Fourth weekend, you missed it. Six weeks in, you missed it. It's like now you lost your customer base because you can't keep consistent. Mm -hmm. You can't remain consistent. Yeah. So you're not even upholding your own rules, you know? Yeah. So it's like... And it shows a lot about your own character just from that simple aspect. Yeah. Well, and then it's that. just, there's, you know, if you're telling people to tune in on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not there, you don't show up. Every Sunday, like, 3 p.m., baby. <laughs> yeah. Is that it? Sunday at 3? Yeah. yeah. So like, but if you don't, if you don't produce, mm-hmm. then eventually, and it, that happens over and over and over again, like... Yeah, you might be able to bounce back. But again, that's what I mean. It's like you're not upholding your own standards. So when will that translate into other things in the business? And then that's normally when you see, you know, entrepreneurs or 
-hmm. small business owners fail because I mean, especially even if you got like a, a little store and you got employees that work for you, if you tell everybody to do something and then you're constantly coming in and doing exactly what you tell them not to do right in front of them blatantly. Yeah. I mean, how's that going to go? Like now you got disgruntled employees. They don't feel appreciated. They don't feel equal. I mean, within reason, there's always, you know, you can come up with some oddball, you can come up with something that it fits, but like. Yeah, me and Elsie talked about that on the, which you guys have already seen by now, but there's three sides to every story. Yeah. That is the way he explained it. You know, you got one person, the other person, and then society. Yeah. So. For sure. Especially in today's uh, standards with cameras everywhere. Yeah. You know, perspective is everything. So uh, being considerate of those that are around you which it's so funny because i got some friends that if they watch this hopefully they do um <laughs> they're gonna be like man scott's an asshole a lot of the times and that's true like i'm i can be an asshole but over time running the business being a bad manager and boss to my friends in the past like yeah. i don't want to say i was bad but at the same time i will take that like i gotta own it because well as a business owner you've got to be able to admit your faults yeah and you have to take them i'd say to the extreme sometimes yeah i i still tell myself to this day i'm not a great editor yeah i'm fucking not if i look at anyone else out there like you you brought up um uh flink yeah yeah that man's a madman his videos are fucking insane yeah, I love him. I'm so stoked to see what he does with the Drift Mansion. Yeah, too, exactly. So I I agree with that. You have to be able to give yourself more constructive criticism than anything else and be able to own up to it. Yeah, not just you won't, hear it. You won't improve. Yeah. Like if you don't think you need to be better or fix something or revise something, you're not going to. So, and nobody can like, like you just said, if people are telling you and you don't think it, you're never gonna gonna, hear it you're you're never gonna gonna act on it exactly so yeah man like dude having to let the the couple guys that i had that worked with me great guys great friends um you know having to let them go when i did that that was like one of the hardest things i ever had to learn as a business owner and then at the time you know kind of that same thing i'm like at the time i'm like man they should have done better. And then like over time I figured out, well, why weren't, why weren't they doing better? Because I wasn't doing better. Like I wish I would have picked it up. Yeah. And, and I was getting onto them before I had to let them go. Like, yo, you got like, this ship is sinking. Like I need everyone, I need all hands on deck, but really I feel like I could have done way better at Mm -hmm. figuring out a way to get all hands on deck, you know, like, and you got to learn, you just, Hey man, we're all just learning and living, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so trying to trying to get better every day. Well, that's awesome. I agree with that. Uh, do you have any like special product you're trying to incorporate anytime soon? Man, uh, I got a couple of new things that I'm working on, but not they're not developed enough yet to to speak kinda, on. Yeah, to speak on. That's fair. Um, to be fair, if if want to plug product, um, just would say. I paint every single steering wheel. Uh, mm-hmm. Mike makes every single shift knob. We box every single wheel and order that comes in. We handle every email. We are drivers. We're drifters. We love this sport. We love cars. Yeah. Um, and so if you want to show us some love and run one of our products, we really appreciate it because that's literally how we are, you know, putting our kids 
food on the table, putting clothes on their backs. And, you know, we, we generally wear the same shirts and, and shoes, so we don't need a lot, <laughs> but, but you know, our families do and the, the, the pay's not the best. Like I said before, I'm sure people would be like, man, don't you have like nine cars? I was like, yeah, that's where the money is. <laughs> yeah. And it took me. Those are my years. savings. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And I'm not like one of those guys that like gets cars and flips them. Like, dude, if I get something. It's, I have attachment I, issues. To you know, I'm so, so. so attached. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, very helpful to us if you show us some support and some love, and we do appreciate it. It's not like it's going through a bunch of channels of different people. There's not like, you know, a sales guy mm. or a, a social media guy that's like, all right, cool, man. Like, no, that's me. I run the social account. I've been doing it for. We formal we formally uh, were created in 2011, but I started. In 2010, so we're at 13 years. I've been running Grip World crazy. through social media, and so within those 13 years, if you've talked to anyone at Grip Royal, more than likely Scott. it was me. <laughs> yep, it was the owner the whole time. Uh, <laughs> like even in the earlier, like I said, I didn't want people to like associate it as me at a at an early stage. So like I would use a lot of like terminology and and mm -hmm. just be like, you know, our staff will get to it and stuff like that. So, yeah, now nah, that's me. Um, but now we've, we've kind of like opened up to be more personable. Um, like I say, cause a, a lot of other companies kind of got on board with some of the stuff that we're doing and some of the product that we're doing. So now we really want people to understand that it is, it's a passion over here. Like yeah. what those other companies are doing, that's not for me to speak on, but like there's two of us, we bust our ass every single day to make sure that grip Royal is as efficient as it can be for the customer who is spending their hard earned money with us because we want them to get exactly what they're paying for. Um, and then again, you know, I, pay, I paint every wheel, all the custom wood, you know, we use the wood grain wheels and we do all the custom paint work and stuff. So if you got something crazy in your mind that you wanted to see on a steering wheel, holler at us because hell yeah. I mean, are there any that y'all keep like in stock all at all times? Yeah, we got a lot of stuff in stock. Okay. Oh, yeah. I was just curious. Yeah, and I used to only make, like, a lot of the painted stuff. We'd always be so limited on inventory mm -hmm. that I had to constantly only make it on order. Now, because we finally have gotten, like, shelves and shelves of inventory, yeah. I was able to kind of get ahead. I've, and we don't list it as in stock, but, like, you know, like, white is the one of the most popular colors. Gotcha. It's like you want white on gold spokes. I probably have one on the shelf. So even when you order on the website, it's going to say like takes two to four weeks to make. Like yeah, if, yeah. But if you pick one of the popular colors, like I probably am like, yeah, I always keep one on deck, you know? So <laughs> okay, cool. Just because I, I've, I've gotten to that point, again, efficiency where we have the. Well, there's your cheat code. Yeah. You're looking at a grip yeah. oil wheel. Yeah, if you're looking at a white wheel, keep it <laughs> on deck. But, you need one really quick. Yeah. But uh, but no, I really love doing the one-off stuff, man. It's really fun. Some people, I mean, everybody has different tastes and styles. So like sometimes they get orders. I'm like, that's not for me, but I'm glad this person loves I never would create that. Yeah. What's but the like, coolest wheel you've done so far? Do you remember? Dude, I don't Too know. Too many like, to count, yeah, probably. we've done... 10,000, 20,000 oh, okay. wheels. Like, yeah, we could scratch that question yeah, all together. It's, it's a lot. I, I get really, I, t I will say this, I get really tired of painting white wheels because yeah. it's, it's so popular. 
Um, if you're going to buy a white wheel, buy it from us, yeah. but, but I, and I will paint it, but dude, there's so from working options. in a body shop, painting a white car is the most boring, dude. It's most boring and yeah. it's so easy to get trash in it. And I hate that. It does hide majority of dirt and stuff and um, a lot of stuff, but I have, yeah, it's, I don't like anyway. <laughs> but yeah, That's like, hilarious. like, like the black with flakes are so cool man um yeah. i love doing wheels like that anything that's you know i grew up with hot rods so i like all the like super hot boy flashy colors flake. yeah the yeah. flake wheels the um fades i like doing like two color fades but we don't we don't get a lot of orders for them hmm. um i think they look sick um a lot of the metallic colors i spray with are aftermarket colors so they're like super metallic-y yeah um yeah but just if somebody has a crazy idea shoot us an email oh yeah mike will mike will handle do that <laughs> yeah well cool give it we'll wrap it up with uh what's your best piece of advice for anyone just getting into drifting uh well, I, th I think we kind of hit it man yeah getting into drifting just keep it simple stupid K the kiss mentality k-i-s-s -S. um the amount of times i i probably count on two hands how many times people have said that yeah keep yeah, it simple and stupid. And unfortunately, it's always evolving and changing the sport. So like uh, we had discussed in your garage, it's like I got an SR swap from a buddy 10 years ago, intercooler to drive shaft. I'm a big SR guy. Yeah. I love SRs. But it's also kind of like what I just have always had. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I got a swap from him, intercooler to drive shaft for $1,800. Now, like the pallet motor that you still have to like get parts for and uh, get a adapt the harness and all this. Yeah. Stuff. There's a lot of work and other accessory bits that have to go on to it. You got to buy the intercooler and all that stuff. You know, I think just the pallet motor swaps like four or five grand or something now. It's like crazy uh, no. expensive, which I get it because it's not like they're being made. Yeah. So there's fewer of them the industry and the desire, the demand for them is way bigger internationally mm -hmm. and the supply is way smaller. So it makes sense. And the, and shipping's higher, uh, value of a dollar's lower. Like we're spending hundreds when we used to spend twenties, um, yeah. for like the same stuff. So just everything has gone up in price, uh, and the supply has gone down. But like, you know, for me, I would always be like, we'll just put an SR in it. And, and, we're talking about S chassis or something, or even the Z. Yeah. And I was like, well, why don't you put an SR in it? It's like, that's not <laughs> find <efficient. you> one. <laughs> that's not financially efficient. Like mm. it's um, you know, go go with the route. Don't go, oh, I want to do it because nobody else does it. It's unique. I want to do something different. Like, there's a reason everybody's doing something like normally. If you want the seat time car, if you're yeah, you know, now if you want to RB swap your Z. If you want to be dumb like me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, you know, when your car had a VQ in it, you're probably driving it a lot more frequently, right? Yeah. So, which yeah, gotta, I, I will say like with the circumstance I'm in, even if I still had that VQ in there, I still wouldn't be able to afford drifting right now. Yeah. Well, that's just also, simply just because of what I'm doing. Well, that's because you're making a jump to, to do this. So yeah. that's, you know, circumstantially, like you said, yeah. but no, for someone who's new to the sport, um, get a car that already has a good platform um kind of follow the same simple recipe ask a lot of questions from people who have been involved in the sport mm -hmm. um you know don't go blowing up 
Chris Forsberg's DMs about asking simple Z questions that you can find on on YouTube. any website, yeah, or YouTube. But like, maybe don't just take the advice of one person who just got into it two years ago. Maybe go to the person who has been in the sport, you know, for a decade, yeah, or runs the events that you're going to, and kind of get their input and the person that you see drifting a Z right now, like. Because there's a lot of different experience levels out there and there's a lot of information. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of false information. Um, there's a lot of people who are promoting stuff that they don't like run or, or use or have had failures that they're not going to tell you about. No. Like, like, yeah, somebody might tell you like, Hey, this part's great. But then they're forgetting to tell you that it took them nine times to get it on. Right. You yeah. know, something like that. So I, I see that from the perspective of whenever I was growing up, they always told you don't believe everything you see on the Internet. Yeah. Well, now that's kind of I know it's still the Internet, but it's kind of transitioned in don't believe everything you hear from a fucking influencer. That too. Yes. For sure. Not every even even like promotional ads, like when they do ads for products, just like half the time, I guarantee you, they don't even use that shit. Yeah. They just thought it was cool. And we're like, Oh yeah, let's, I want to try that anyways. Sure. Let's do an ad. Yeah. Uh, or they're just installing like when it comes to car parts, like sometimes people are promoting something that they've just installed. But yeah. again, they're not telling you about all the other parts that they had to buy just to get that one on and it's like you don't need everything yeah. just and i and i say that but I, i'm the guy that's like i'm gonna buy everything for the car <laughs> but again i've been in it for yeah. 18 years you know and i have multiple cars and i have an expectation so if you're just new to the sport the uh, suggestion is keep it simple do bare essentials focus on your driving um ask a lot of questions and and humble know, yourself. know, yeah, humble yourself. <laughs> know what you're, know what you want out of the car. So if you're just getting into it and you're like, I just need to learn how to drift. I want to learn. I want to, mm -hmm. I want to learn how to drift. You do not need to be building a car for competition purposes. Yeah. If you are just now linking the course, you do not need to be in competition. Now, all these people who are running these comps, they love you guys. Like the guys that are jumping right into it and they're like, yeah, I just started drifting last year. I'm running comp. Yeah, I think y'all are crazy. Yeah. Psychos. Um, there I, was, there was one dude out at uh Jersey who was on like his second event ever. Yeah. And a, he had never, or maybe it was like third. It was in a VQ car, G35. Yeah. And man, he, he man. threw a hundred shot on it and thought that was going to be able to keep, keep up. And like, yeah, that's just the not... skill still wasn't there. Like he's for, where from not ever drifting one event ago, like he can drive. Yeah, but like, for sure. But, but you're also like, pro drivers. <laughs> but you're, you're jeopardizing everybody else. So you've got this, I, I saw this at clutch kickers as well. Cause I, we sponsored mm -hmm. clutch kickers and, uh, and when it was at Emerald coast, I was able to go to a lot of them, which was that course was really cool because it was so humbling I love for the track. big cars and small cars. It was very equalizing. Yeah. Um, and some people I've heard people, say that's not true but man i went to almost every round oh shit was, i drove the track yeah it was definitely that yeah and that i feel like is a better place for like oh, if you're into it and you want to run against a pro car cool but then when they went to the oval track at freedom factory like i saw a couple cars out there and it i just had to say to myself was like y'all are just fucking up the field like, I get mm -hmm. that you're, like, underdog in it or, like, you know, I, I just want a comp drive. I want to drive with 
good driver. So I get better. That's I hear that a lot. Like I want to, I want to comp drive because I want to tandem with better people. And that's, that's yeah. a great perspective, but, um, sorry, man, if this dude has all this fab work on this, you know, $50,000 competition specific drift car, and you go out there with your hundred shot G- stock G35 with coilovers on mm-hmm. it. It's like, you've got a $4,000 car. He's got a $50,000 car and you stuff the wall and he slams into you or vice versa. Like to me, that's just you kind of being out of place. And and I'm sure people will disagree with that. Yeah. But again, there's a time and a place, man. If you're just out here, like I'm just going to give it a shot. You become a liability at that yeah, point. It's a liability for yeah. sure. And, um, yeah, it's cool. Like I love an underdog story, but I, I had three eighty-eight six Corollas. Okay. You still got to know. know your place as an underdog in today's time. Yeah, for sure. So, you can't bring a knife to a gunfight. Like this. Bingo. <laughs> yeah. Bingo. That's all yeah. I need. Hell yeah. Well, that pretty much wraps it up for this one. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, again, the, uh, giveaway will be announced next week. So make sure you're back here for that one. Uh, don't forget to subscribe and that's pretty much it so yeah thanks for having me on man yeah i appreciate it yeah dude. this is a actually a really good podcast, but that's pretty much it so we'll see you guys next week peace <laughs>